Celebrate the big 2020 with T-Mobile. Switch now and get two lines for just 90 bucks and two new iPhone 11s on us. So you can take a portrait built for two with the ultra-wide camera. Oh, that's a good one. Oh, cute. Hurry in to T-Mobile and get two lines for 90 bucks and two iPhone 11s on us with qualifying trade-ins. Via 24 credits for well-qualified buyers with auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. If you cancel before receiving 24 credits, you may owe up to the full value of your device of $699.99. Contact us. Qualifying port-ins and finance agreements required. Hey, this is Steve Bloom, and you are listening to the GeekCast Radio Network. You're listening to the GeekCast Radio Network. To part three of the GCRN's Top 100 Television Show Countdown. I am one of your hosts, TFG and Mike, and I am back this week. Last week, I, I don't know. I I was stuck in infomercial land, apparently. Um, We'd be jo- the drunken pirates. Drunken <laughs> pirate, you ass. Okay, so joining us, first of all, is Steve Megatron, the other co-creator. Hello. Yo, hopefully I don't have to bail this week. <laughs> uh, hopefully no one's computer explodes this week. We have Movie Revolt, or TV Revolt Dan, hello. How's it going? It's going. We have Kevin and Amanda, hello. It's Poppin' Pippin. <laughs> He's got right. nothing. I got nothing, <laughs> I don't know how to respond to that. <laughs> also trying to figure out the hamster wheel thing. <laughs> God. And our special guest in this episode is DJ Valentine. Hello, sir. Uh, hi, guys. I'm I'm just glad you guys uh, temporarily lifted that restraining order so I could be back on the show. I'm glad uh, I won't burn anything this time. Well, to be <laughs> well, fair, this is when your... When you make comments like that, you have to be careful who you say it to. <laughs> oh, damn it. I, I'm sorry. <laughs> I have no inner fair. monologue. I have no... <laughs> to be fair, this is your first time on the overall GeekCast Radio main flagship podcast. So anything that happens on Cinema Geeks just doesn't count. Just doesn't count? Yes. Just think of it as, you know, the Gremlins. Clean slate. Yeah. Clean slate. Yeah. Where's my matchbook? Um, I mean, let's wait, go. Wait, 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 wait. Yeah. You know, Jarvis just loaded the Clean Slate project for you. There you go. <laughs> You've mixed Iron Man and The Dark Knight Rises together. <laughs> Sometimes genius just happens. <laughs> okay, so... Happy accident. Uh, since Steve um, essentially got booted or something happened with him last I week... Had, I had screaming kids. Yeah. <laughs> they weren't happy with the countdown, so they are like, no. <laughs> <laughs> little, little banshees were up there going, yeah! And my wife was running back, back and forth, so yeah. So, and obviously I wasn't here last week, and, you know, I wanted to give this, just this little piece here, uh, Steve and I, a chance to reply to some of the stuff that happened in part two. Um, it's a good thing I wasn't drinking anything when someone said uh, about the whole 67, 66 thing with Batman, because that was hilarious. <laughs> that was Kevin. Yeah, that, that was That hilarious. was genius on Kevin's behalf. Yeah. I take no credit. Uh-huh. Well, I really do. 
So the main thing is that I don't have a problem with the countdown so far. The only real thing for me is shield, the shield from FX was my number two on my personal list. That show deserves to at least be top 15. Mm. That show in its seven, six, seven years did such amazing things for it. it essentially, every FX original series everyone loves now, The Shield launched all of that. I'm sure FX would have had something else do it, but The Shield is what did it in 2002. And yeah, that show deserves to be a little higher. Um, it wasn't until one of our commenters pointed, or somebody on Twitter or wherever pointed out about the whole Arrow thing being at 52. I was like, ha, funny. <laughs> You say this on the dawn of uh, Bastard Executioner getting canceled. <laughs> Kurt, Kurt Sutter, the, uh, one of the guys who made the shield, is probably just like, thank you, somebody loves me, someone out there. <laughs> Steve, did you have anything that you wanted to uh, reply to or anything you wanted to bring up before we get into the part three here? No, if they want to hear my comments on uh, what fell where uh, that I was not <laughs> a part of, uh, listen to last week's Altered Geek. Or this week's, technically. <laughs> No, I think I did it last week, too. Oh. Uh, yeah, it could be. I, I, don't I don't know. I talked about it both weeks, so. I've recorded so many podcasts in the past week and a half, I don't You're even... drunk. Go home. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so, oh, the other thing I wanted to bring up was the Cosby Show. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this. I'm just going to... I'm just going to say this, you know, whatever you want to feel about the man, it doesn't take away from what the show did because of what the other actors did, not because of what he did. One of my favorite scenes from that entire show is mostly Felicia Rashad uh, yelling at Sandra. So you're going to hear that. And then Dan's going to come back to start the countdown after this. And then I'll be working side by side with my husband. Sandra, what are you saying? You have always wanted to go to law school. You've never talked about anything else. I changed my mind. Change it back. <laughs> After all the money we spent sending you to Princeton, Sandra, you owe us $79,648.22, and I want my money now. I'm not going anywhere till I get my money. Whatever she's got, empty her pockets. I want to know now. No, I'm not. No, I'm not having this. No. Well, really, both of us, we have to be calm. You calm down. If Elvin thinks that he is going to come in here and drag my baby off into some harebrained business scheme and ruin what is potentially the greatest legal mind of this century, he's going to have me to deal with, and then he can come to you for treatment. Fifty. All righty. Well. Well, when we started off the, the countdown at 100, actually at 99, we, we entered the countdown with someone's number one. And fittingly enough, we are starting the top 50 again with someone's number one. Someone's number one that's on the podcast today. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's also visiting a day and a time period that we talked about previously. Coming in at number 50 is none other than Boy Meets World uh, with 637 points. It was on eight (laughs) lists, as highest ranked as number one, as I mentioned, by Steve Megatron Phillips. So fittingly, Steve, I think it makes sense to start with you here. Are you a little upset knowing it's your number one? Are you happy it's in the top 50? Are you upset it's not higher? What are your thoughts? 
I'm happy it's in the top 50. I'm kind of upset it's not higher, uh, just because that was like my go-to show as a kid uh, growing up, uh, watching it on TGIF. And I, I I love the dynamic of the characters and, and, and a lot of the issues that it pulled. And I, while I, I can see why some of you chose like shows like The Wonder Years or stuff like that, if that's what you grew up with, for me, this was like that show. Fittingly, it's the brother of the one from that show, but um, it's I, I I don't know. I just I really enjoyed the show and and all the stuff it it taught throughout its seven years on television, and then the fact that it's gotten a resurgence in recent years uh, under the new title "Girl Meets World," kind of continuing that universe um, with some of the same character 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 with eighty seven, right, Kev? I don't know, I didn't watch it when I was young. Oh well. In the late <laughs> in the late eighties, when Wonder Years was on, I remember watching the show. But now today, I didn't remember a single thing about the show. I didn't remember a single theme song and the fact that um, Marv from Home Alone is the narrator for... for uh, you, you didn't remember Winnie Cooper? Well, everybody remembers Winnie Cooper. I'm saying, as far as the <laughs> plots go, I didn't remember any of the storylines. Mm. So after we had that debate, I went on to... Um, Went on to Netflix and I watched about five or six episodes of the first season. That show is just not my style. It just isn't. Boy Meets World, you know, as a, by the time that was on, I was 13 to 20. So, um, you know, that was another one of those 90s life lesson shows. And that is a show that I can watch all the time, various episodes. Especially now as an adult, being able to appreciate some of the adult humor with it, with with their parents. It's just awesome. So Boy Meets World, I'm glad it's top 50. Uh, like Steve, I think it's easily top 25, top 15 at least. All righty. Well, let's let's let have DJ. Let's give you your first shot at this list. Seeing Boy Meets World coming at number 50. I know it wasn't on your list. Was it a show you watched? Do you think it deserves where it's at? What do you think here? I think it's pretty high. I mean, I'm 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 a really old person, so I remember <laughs> one of the years, uh, and I kind of was getting into like movies around the time Boy Meets World came out, so I wasn't watching a lot of TV. But I do remember Topanga. That's essentially <laughs> what, what Topanga and Winnie show. Cooper. Come on, what's who wins that? Well, again, I'm going Winnie Cooper because she was my childhood crush. But I mean, not to get chauvinistic here Topanga was one of the main reasons I was trying to check that show out and then I was just somehow fascinated that this was oh this is the brother of the guy from the Wonder Years and it's more of and I like Mr. Feeney uh he was in a uh guy from the I think it's the father from the graduate I believe I forget his real name um 
It's okay. It was a. It's kind of a time where it was kind of like a sitcom, kind of happily a happier show. One years felt more of a, like, felt more like a small kind of mini movie than a than a one uh, than Boy World, which felt like a traditional sitcom. So it's not really one of my favorites, but I I know it has a humongous following, and the fact that it came back with the uh, the new incarnation, I I think it's a little high, but I can understand it. Oh, man, I know you had a lot of love for other 90s series. What are your thoughts on Boy Meets World here? Uh, I was definitely a fan of Boy Meets World back in the Disney. I haven't caught up with the uh, Girl Meets World, but uh, I know that this was 23 on my list. Um, definitely higher than what we are having here, but I think that I was definitely the age group that it was geared towards, and I connected to it. It was definitely, like I said, um, part of my nostalgia of the 90s, and I like those little life lessons. That's where I like the cable guy. That's where I, I learned my life lessons on TV. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> cable guy and Boy Meets World did not expect, expect that combination today, but you never know. <laughs> You're uh, welcome. TV teaches me. <laughs> Kevin, you like... <laughs> Somebody's got to kill the babysitter. <laughs> uh, Kevin, you like me and, and DJ also did not rank Boy Meets World on your list. So what are your thoughts of seeing it coming in here? I know it's probably not surprising, but do you think it's deserving of, you know, being in top 50, being in the top 100? I, I don't think so. Um, I'll be the resident uh, hater of, of <laughs> 90s uh, sitcoms, I guess. I mean, hey, 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 hey. I mean, I didn't have uh, Home Improvement on here. I didn't have uh, Fresh Prince. I don't have Boy Meets World. I don't have Family Matters. I didn't rank any of them. Um, They're all the same show to me. So I just, and it has nothing to do with uh, me growing up. I'll hopefully save my Wonder Years comments for later, but I did not watch that show growing up. So it has no nostalgia. I did not watch Wonder Years (laughs) until I was 26. Oh, seven or man. 29 or something like that so that's a weird age to start watching that like how did you fall into this I, it was on tv and i started recording the episodes and then i like started watching and about five or six episodes in i was hooked and uh I'll, like i said i'll save my comments but so yeah it wasn't a, it wasn't about that being a childhood thing for me um maybe i was not the right age for boy meets world and some of these other ones like i said home improvement family matters but i just uh, for me if i was going to put one of them on the list it only would have been one and in the end, I just had 100 shows that I thought were more worthy. Yeah, I, I know I did grow up with Boy Meets World. You know, uh, oddly, when they were in seventh grade, I was in seventh grade. When they were eighth grade, I was in eighth grade. And then they randomly jumped eight years, like three years and graduated when I was still like a sophomore. But whatever. <laughs> I did like the show. It, uh, it certainly has its place. I know like among my age group, it does. It is one of the most talked about or. Uh, love shows it still runs in syndication today and it's because of how well it did in syndication that it did get uh, another spinoff series i liked it but like dj mentioned i don't know necessarily if it does much more with the sitcom genre that was done before like come looking at other ca- coming of age like sitcoms it was good for it for what it was but I, I didn't necessarily think it transcended anything or it was anything all that special i guess beyond just where its relationship to me if i was thinking objectively you know it didn't really many doesn't have much award to claim you know it was a, it was a fun show but it just felt it fit in that mold of tgif and and i don't see it it's a show that if you gave to the same age group today 
like that wasn't meant for in the 90s would they still like it i don't know i i i can't really say i, I don't think they would watching i don't it... think so because the the thing with today compared to the 90s is and showing boy meets world don't get me wrong boy meets world shows its age with its references and everything else that's in the show and kids today just don't understand that kids they don't understand half the stuff that happened in the 90s to me, it's not even the references it's just the quality of it would be like i like it's a disney show now it would be a disney it'd be like iCarly. exactly and i and it's not a <laughs> show that now it's better than iCarly. no no i'm not saying it's the same i'm just saying it's <laughs> if it came out now it would be on disney it definitely wouldn't be on ABC. Like it is or... World. Uh, yeah. I guess that's, that's well, kind I, of my... I mean, technically, ABC owns... Or Disney owns ABC now, so it's kind of the same thing. But it's the they thing. Yeah, like it, too, It's a very but... specific age group it's going after. Like, it's not... Right. Like, a home improvement, it, that could... You could legitimately... You know, it was all ages, from kids to adults. Women's World, to me, just had a specific age group and for a specific time. And if I'm looking at Top 100, especially Top 50, I'm thinking of a show that can go beyond that. So I could see the argument for top top 100, I think, more so in the 80s. But, you know, it's uh, I definitely could see. I mean, there's a lot of people who had it very highly kept, you know, with Steve and Mike weren't alone. It was in a, a top 10 for some other people as well. So there were some people who truly, truly loved the show. But uh, and... the last thing I'll say about it is that it's not more so the earlier seasons when they're growing up. It's the later seasons when they have to face adulthood that are that really make it good. And it can't help that, you know, Kit is in real life with William Daniels. And... I knew you were going to bring that up at some point. Um, I, my, my whole thing is, is I would much rather watch this and get more out of it than I would if I watched, um, say, like Full House or any of those other TGIF programs. So, like, to me, this was, like, the stronger show, in my opinion, of those yeah, I, I would agree Locks. it's better than Full House and probably Family Matters, but I still, I don't know. I guess Home Improvement is technically not a TGIF show. but uh... Whatever, I love Family Matters. I know. God. <laughs> I, I, I detest Family Matters so much. The only thing I loved about Family Matters was, was the Key and Peel sketch, but I'm in the minority. <laughs> that, that, we talked about that last episode, but uh, all right. Yeah. Well, I think enough of Boy Me Twirled. I'd like to hear people's thoughts. Go to Keycast Radio, and let's move on to the next in the countdown. 49. We're going in a completely opposite direction with our next pick, with number 49. Though we are staying in the realm of comedy, but a little bit more, I guess, adults, maybe? I'm not sure. Uh, but coming in at number 49 is Curb Your Enthusiasm with 642 points, so only a five more points than Boy Meets World. It was on 11 lists. The highest ranked was 11 by one of uh, DJ's counterparts, but... Uh, Kevin, I think on the on the countdown, you're the only only one that ranked this along with myself. You ranked it at 27. We I ranked it at 28. So we were very uh, copacetic when it came to Kirby your enthusiasm. So it's falling much lower than re ranked it. What are your thoughts on seeing it coming in here at 49? Uh, my only thought was I didn't know if maybe people would eliminate it and put just like Seinfeld on and leave Curb Your Enthusiasm off if they'd kind of lump them together as similar shows so maybe they would only pick one but I, I don't know I, I still think the writing in Curb Your Enthusiasm is, is pretty genius the comedy is my style so it's something that I appreciate I can't really sit here by the emergency door exit I think you better get someone else okay so we're about three minutes away from wheels up so you okay. need to just stay put okay no, 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 got you, a full no, you don't understand I can't be sitting here if something happens I can't we won't be able to get out calm down okay I cannot do it I will panic we will go down all we need to know is that you're willing to assist passengers in the event of a non-traditional landing. I cannot be of any help whatsoever in any kind of non-traditional landing or any traditional landing. 
Did you read the brochure? Read the brochure? I can't read that brochure. It's Chinese okay, to me. Oh, I'm sorry. You Chinese? Oh, you look a little Asian. I'm sorry. But it's just an expression. But I don't think you are Chinese. You look maybe Thai. I'm not sure. Okay, is it the seat or are you just scared of no, Thai? No, I choke under pressure in any kind of game, basketball. If I was on the foul line and towards like the last five minutes of the game, I would miss the entire rim. Okay, I don't I see couldn't you. even hit the rim because I was choking. Choking. Sir, how about I get you a drink? Would you like a Merlot? No, thank you. I don't drink. I don't drink. Just please find somebody else to stay. I think a lot of circles of people watch this and talk about it, but it doesn't get talked about a lot outside of that, which I don't know. I don't know if it's more of an under the radar thing that, that not everybody's been exposed to, but I really enjoy Curb Your Enthusiasm. Uh, DJ, any thoughts on Curb Your Enthusiasm? When I first uh, start, started watching Curb Your Enthusiasm, I, I wasn't I, I wasn't as knowledgeable in like movies and TV as I, I, I guess I am now. I'm not saying I'm super knowledgeable, but I'm way more than I was at the time. And I didn't know Larry David had anything to do with Seinfeld. <laughs> so I, when I watched the show and then I figured that out like really fast, uh, I was like, oh, maybe this is just going to be like Seinfeld. But I think that show, it takes what Seinfeld was and it expands upon it into this whole new world that I, I don't and it touches stuff that Seinfeld could never I don't think could sure. touch on basic television especially the uh, the latter the latter series and it's I, the I, HBO I, it's the HBO version of Seinfeld yeah and, but I mean even being on HBO where they get to curse and they do all the other stuff I think it just got to be its own it got to make its own separate universe. Uh, Seinfeld has its own thing with Putt, uh, with Newman and all of that right. stuff, but Curb has a completely different, but just as huge universe. I mean, I was just, I haven't watched some of the latter seasons, but I think I think I gave up after Cheryl, and I gave up. I mean, I, I didn't have time to finish watching it, but the whole thing with the, uh, him sleeping with the woman who hates Jewish people. I think I, I think that was like maybe two seasons ago or three seasons ago. I just saw that one episode like on Fringe. It is, uh, you can jump anywhere into Curb and laugh your ass off. For me, anyway, that the humor, and I know Justin from my show, he's uh, he's huge on Larry David uh, in Seinfeld. So he he was like, Matt, you have to start, get back on the horse, get back on the horse. It's getting, when J.B. Smooth came back on there, he's, he's so funny, get back on there. And I, 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 I got somewhat on there but uh curb i think i give the credit for not just doing exactly what seinfeld did it might seem like that on the periphery but it did it kind of just takes seinfeld and expands upon it which i I give it credit for yeah it's you know from everything from the way it's it's shot like cinema cinema verite style it's almost documentary like but not completely to it it's very much within hollywood and like you know a lot of very much, you know, the meta jokes and how people play themselves and do it really well. I mean, it does come with a pedigree as well. It's nominated for 38 Primetime Emmy Awards. Technically, it's a show that's not canceled, but yet, no. you know, but kind of is. <laughs> yeah. It's so good, they can just pick it back up whenever the hell they want. <laughs> so, wait, essentially, it's going to become the live-action Futurama? Yeah. <laughs> kind of, yeah. It's Well, it's, you know, they've had, you know, there was a clear history movie, which not technically Curb Your Enthusiasm, but very much in the same vein. The way it's, the style is with the improv comedy, it's, it's really Larry David giving people that he, like, you know, his comedian friends and kind of getting together and making a funny show and it ends up working, you know. It's like, that, if you, that's a good point because I forgot all about how that to me is also freaking awesome. I didn't even know that was possible when I heard about the whole, we just have outlines yeah. and then we go. Which is freaking awesome, and uh, it, it gave me a humongous appreciation for Super Dave Osborne, who I used to hate. Uh, 
maybe because his humor, I, I was too young for it to understand his humor. And if he is the funny, he's one of the funniest people on that show. So yeah, uh, I forget, I forget his name. He's uh, Albert Brooks's brother, I believe. Really? Um, I, was I, I, I think he's related to Albert Brooks in some way. But yeah, um, great, great, great show. Alrighty, well. Before our next countdown, we're going to get into one of the more, more unique shows that will be on the list today, for sure. 48. Coming in at number 48, we have Mystery Science Theater 3000. With 648 points, it was on 10 list, as highest ranked as number 2. So it was in one person's top 5. And uh, DJ, let's start with you here, because it was in your top five as well at number four. Yeah. So what are your thoughts on seeing Mystery Science Theater 3000 fall here? Much, much lower or higher, however you want to say it, than you had it. So you're a little disappointed it's only at number 48? I, I'm glad it's in the top 50. I wish it was higher. I mean, and when you told me to make my list, I was kind of saying, telling you that I'm going to do it on shows that essentially have influenced me. And... Nothing when it comes from for me being for writing and being and doing skits and doing the podcast and stuff like that. Nothing has influenced our my humor more than Mystery Science Theater 3000, which is essentially three guys, two of them being robotic, um, cracking wise in a the movie theater for, for uh, as a show. And it used to come on Comedy Central at, at midnight, and I used to fight tired them to stay up to watch it. It was so good with Joel. And then they got Mike later. I'm a Joel guy. Uh, so in Crow T Robot, and if you've paid attention to any of my shows, uh, I'm heavily robot influenced because of this show. I didn't know. I know that I, in hindsight, I realized they write a lot of their material, but I was like, man, these are some of the most quick witted uh, guys ever. And when I realized they write their stuff, and I'm like, well, they're, well, they're still very, very clever jokes. And it made me watch movies that I would have probably never. <laughs> Mano's Hands of Fate, uh, uh, Space, uh, Space Chief, movies that, uh, Free Jacking or whatever it's called. I, I'd have never watched any of these movies. It got me kind of into movies and got me into making fun of movies or just talking about movies of hey man have you seen have you seen the space chief have you have you seen santa claus in the mart meets the martians have you seen any of these movies mystery science theater is probably one of my favorite comedic shows on television i'm kind of disappointed it's not higher but i mean i it's each his own so i i understand for me it's definitely my top five uh steve you also had this ranked on your list you actually were not that far off at 56 so what are your thoughts on seeing it here I'm actually kind of glad it's on there. I again, this this is one of those categories that they were films that I would never watch had they not had the the goofy commentaries going through them. Uh, and I I can honestly say this is one of the few instances of like uh, DVD like basically movie commentaries that I can actually sit through because it's entertaining and it's funny. Yeah. Um, and like I I'm not one for B flicks at all, but they they made them so hilarious that it was worth watching. Uh, and I, I love the fact that they're finally kind of, they've gotten a, what was it, a Kickstarter or Patreon? Yeah, they, they're, they're they coming back. Their $2 million goal already, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, like, the following on this show is just epic. Just overall, everybody loves it that, that's watched it. There's there's just a lot to it that is smart and quick-witted, so. Kev, I know you did not have it on your list, but any thoughts here on Mystery Science Theater 3000? Yeah, this was one of those that was on my first draft that uh, was in the possibilities, but then it just kind of got weeded out. If I was doing like a top 150, it for sure would have been in there. Um, and it should probably have made my list anyways. This is probably one of the best shows ever to put on 
uh, with a group of like if you were in high school or college, like just a group of buddies and just put it on and drink or <laughs> do whatever. <laughs> and it's just like it's completely entertaining. You don't have to you feel like you don't necessarily have to invest in it or you don't have to, you know, it's not going to tax your brain or anything like that. It's just put it on, uh, have fun with the guys that are cracking all the jokes and with their quick witted humor. And, and like DJ and, and Steve both said, allow yourself to watch movies you otherwise wouldn't have watched and, and, and find out that you can enjoy something for entirely different reasons than you think you can. And uh, so yeah, you have very intelligent written show and I have, it's one of those rare ones that's not, wasn't on my top 100 that I have no problem actually making the top 100. Great theme song too. (laughs) (laughs) Mike, I also same question for you. It was not on your top 100, but what are your thoughts on seeing it fall here at number 48? I guess it's all right. I have never actually seen a single thing from this show. I do oh, not remember man. it at all. It is Treat on yourself. Netflix, so you enjoy Treat yourself. yourself. Yeah. yeah, it's on It's on Netflix, and if anyone wants the DVDs, you can go over to ShoutFactory.com and get all of the DVDs from ShoutFactory. <laughs> I mean, actually, I came to the show super late. I actually came to it when it was on Sci-Fi. It was, they would show it like in Saturday mornings, and, that, and I... It was like, all right, there's a good 90 to two hours I'm going to be doing because I have nothing else better to do. <laughs> uh, it's one of the first shows to go viral before, you know, before viral was a thing where it became popular because people are passing the tapes around, similar to like how South, South Park became a thing. Uh, and it's also, you know, we talk about TV shows having influence in TV, but it's obviously, as podcasters, uh, a TV show that has highly influenced so many podcasts, the idea of just... It's such a simple concept <laughs> that you just wonder, like, why didn't anyone else do it beforehand? But they do it brilliantly and add a nice little twist to it of just making fun of movies as they're going on. But there's a brilliance to in what they're doing. Like DJ mentioned, it seems like they're just on the spot saying it, but obviously they put a lot of research in, make, like, the best shows possible. So uh, it's I think a lot of – they make it look easy. And then when you hear other people do it, you're like, oh, no, this is not, <laughs> not nearly as good. You should not do this. I used to watch it scrambled. Uh, th- this is this is going back to the day when there was something called cable boxes, and <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't. Those I are called have... DVRs now. Yeah, yeah. We, we, I didn't have the channel. I think it came on Comedy Central, then Sci-Fi. I didn't have Sci-Fi, but I I had a cable box where it was. You could, if you went to the channel at a certain spot, it was scrambled enough where you could kind of see what was because I was so craved for that humor. I never heard anybody tell jokes like that before. So yeah, this this show is it's, it's one of the, the building blocks of DJ Valentine. Alrighty, well let's move on to the next in the countdown as we're getting to our first classic comedy of the day. Forty-seven. We have not had many classic comedies, but we're getting to another one, and some may say it's the most classic of all the classic comedies. As in coming in at number forty-seven, we have The Honeymooners. It was on nine lists, as highest ranked as number seven with six hundred and fifty-five points. Oddly, I was the only one out of all of us to rank it. I find that surprising. <laughs> um, I guess I'll start here with The Honeymooners. I had it ranked. Uh, where did I have it ranked? I had it ranked rather high. I had it ranked number 17 on my list because i i know it's only on for one season but when i think classic comedy it's one of the first ones that come to my mind i mean it kind of provided a type of tv that was never on before or type of people type of style like tv was so polished it was everything was so perfect often and this was a type of family that you would a type of like family unit that you would never see people have a lot of problems yell at each other and you know jackie gleason dude the jackie gleason is just great at anything he does comedy or drama and he created one of the most iconic characters of all time get this into your head 
A fishing trip is just like a Turkish bath. It's for men only. I catch the fish, you cook the fish. The only time we're together is when we eat the fish. So it's final, it's settled, and it's over and done with. You are not going on a fishing trip. Hi, Alice. Sorry I was late, honey. I had some shopping to do, but I'll have your supper ready for you in a minute. Uh, Alice. Yes? I want to tell you something. Well? I'll tell you later. Okay doing it live every week you know i know remember when drew carey did a live show it was like the biggest thing ever they just did it as the norm then and it and it really melded the the stage presence to television as tv was really starting off so i i honestly think it should be higher i uh i'm glad it's on the list i'm glad it's in the top 50 but for me it's it's a top 20 show despite the fact it's only was on for one season because when it was on it was it was rather popular and i think we look at iconic shows i, I think it ranks up there but uh uh let, okay let's start with you here any thoughts on honeymooners falling in here at number 47 i guess this is another one i don't necessarily have a problem i think this somehow just kind of got lost in the shuffle as i was sorting shows and ranking shows and looking at different aspects of it because i i do uh, i have liked what i've seen of that um I haven't seen any episodes for a long time, but when I was a kid, I remember still thinking it was funny. It is iconic, like you're talking about, even though it was only on for one season. I think somehow it just kind of got lost in the shuffle with uh, some other classic comedies that I was considering. And uh, I was kind of, when you said it, I was looking for where I ranked it on my list. And I was like, oh, <laughs> I guess I didn't. But uh, it would definitely would be uh, in consideration for a spot if I was doing it again and, and somehow didn't lose it in the shuffle, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly, there's a lot of shows, it's easy to lose stuff, but uh, uh, Mike, any thoughts on The Honeymooners? I remember a lot of the quotes from the show, I mean, who doesn't remember one of these days, Alice, you know, I mean, come on. Spousal abuse, (laughs) Okay, but that was a different time, okay, The, The Honeymooners is actually, you know, TV's answer to Nick and Nora, honestly, I mean, seriously, come on, but... I, I honestly cannot. The, the two things I remember from that show: one has has some, you know, like like I said, all the quotes and the lines and stuff like that. And the other thing is, um, oh, I've seen this one. This is a repeat. Repeat. It just came on from when Marty went back in time. Probably could watch Jackie Gleason while we eat. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> DJ, but any thoughts I on the I really need to go back and watch that show again. Uh, DJ, any thoughts on the Honeymooners? I, I, again, this is a, a show I didn't grow up with. I, I, I. You didn't grow up with it. You weren't born in like you know nineteen. I'm old, <laughs> pretty old. Highlander old. No, uh, I was introduced to Jackie Gleason through Smokey and the Bandit because I'm a huge Smokey and the Bandit fan. And then I, I and then um, people in my family who were older than me were like, uh, "Yeah, it's Jackie Gleason. You don't know Jackie Gleason?" I'm like, "No, this guy's awesome. He's so funny." He's like, "You should watch The Honeymooners." And I sat down and watched a couple episodes when I was very young, and I was like, "Wow, this is uh, irreverent." <laughs> like, for, for, like you're saying for the time. I mean, this is essentially the precursors of shows like Married with Children, which might or might not be on my list uh <laughs> <laughs> you sound almost ashamed of that no no i'm not ashamed I, I love <laughs> but yeah it's, it's essentially the joke that they're saying in that show especially the bam zoom to the moon all that stuff i'm like wow they they could get away with this back in the day <laughs> of course <laughs> holy crap uh you couldn't get away with that now um but no it's 
it, these are just geniuses at work. You got R. Carney, you got Jackie Gleason. Uh, those are, these are like the types of shows, this and I Love Lucy, that you, you, you it's like the, the Mount Mar- Rushmore of uh, television shows. It may not be uh, an influence on me, but I definitely respect it. Yeah, for, for sure. I, I watched a lot because my parents were, were big fans. I mean, it's only had 39 episodes, so it you know had a few you know type of re- revival shows and here and there, but you know the, they call it the classic 39. I think are pretty you know uh, certainly have their impact on TV. So, all right, any other thoughts on the honeymooners before we move on to the next in the countdown? It influenced and it pretty much is the the inspiration for the Flintstones. Yes, oh, definitely. Yeah. And there was also the Honey Mousers from Looney Tunes. And I really want to think. I know Mel Blanc had his big deal and his vo- his name was on the all the voice characterization. But I really want to think that was Jackie Gleason playing the <laughs> the mouse version of Ralph. Honey Mousers. That's called cool. that's that's a throwback right there. <laughs> That's my specialty. And we'll have another throwback with our next in the countdown. 46. Coming in at number 46, it's it's coming from a time period that we've not been in all that much, surprisingly, but I think there will be uh, one person on the episode that's at least happy that it's on the list. Maybe not happy, it's high enough. Uh, coming in at number 46, we have, you gotta love it when a list comes together, oh. we have the A-Team. It was on yes. nine list, as highest ranked as number five by none other than TFG1 Mike, and it re- received 658 points, only three more points than the Honeymooners. Not many people that will rank A-Team higher than the Honeymooners. That's what you get here at GeekCast Radio. So... <laughs> So, Mike, let's start with you here, as you had it ranked at number five. Little you want to know the ironic thing? I just started rewatching. I just started watching the first episode like five hours before we did this recording. <laughs> <laughs> gotta get prepped. Gotta get prepped. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, you upset it's not higher? What are your thoughts seeing it here at number forty-six? Even though I'm a diehard kid of the '80s, I can't expect all the '80s shows to be top ten, top twenty. So, forty-six. Is uh, I would say A Team at least deserves top thirty, at least at number thirty, maybe. The show <laughs> characterized four very different personalities with with Hannibal, with BA, with uh, Face, and, and Murdoch, and you always had this sense of, especially with BA and Murdoch, you know, I ain't flying with that fool. You know, I mean, you, you just can't help but quote Mr. T. Um, it's just one of those things where their quote-unquote friendship uh, is just endearing. It really, really is. Cause it, and what people might, may or may not realize is these are a group of military men. You know, you know, that's the other strong thing about their friendship. And while, you know, it's great – that MacGyver can do all the stuff they do by himself, watching each of them forming the plan that comes together in each episode to do what they do to stop the bad guys, to get, you know, justice for their clients. You know, people might say, oh, but they're just soldiers of fortune. They charge people money. But, well, they got to be able to do the next scheme or the next, you know, the next adventure. So... I absolutely love the A-Team. Coming in at 46, I don't think it's a bad thing. I'm glad it made top 50. Uh, Amanda, we haven't heard from you a little bit. Uh, any thoughts on the A-Team at all? Is it a show that you caught up with? Any 
your I know it's one that's kind of in the zeitgeist, even if you didn't see it. So, do you think it's deserving of this high rank? Uh, I, I think that's a good spot. I didn't see too much of the show. Um, my um, interaction with A Team has been uh, the movie version um, with <laughs> Rampage Jackson. And, uh, well, shame. <laughs> yeah. Um. That movie aside, I think that it's it's super iconic. Um, definitely made Mr. T um, a, a huge icon, and I think that it's definitely deserving of the top 50. Steve, you actually had it ranked at 51, so you're not that far off. So you're happy where it's fallen? Oh, yeah, I'm happy where it fell. I, I, I really enjoyed the show. Uh, I love the theme song. I love the casting. Uh, uh, just the whole, you know, Soldiers of Fortune thing, that was one of the fun parts about the show um and then the the witty banter between the uh uh different and uh strange personalities that you had throughout the show so uh you know it it's it's very simple but it's it's very very fun so and say what you will about the movie i'm sorry uh you know it's good but it's not it doesn't well, replaced the original act. It should have been so much better. Okay, I mean, okay, yeah. okay, yes, it should have been so much better, but in the performances way, Liam Neeson was a damn good stand-in for George Papard. And just seeing... Um, oh, God, what's his name? Bradley Cooper? Yes. Just seeing Bradley Cooper and Dirk Benedict interact in the... <laughs> in the sauna. <laughs> you know, in the sauna scene. That was just epic. It really, really was. Uh, Kev, last week we talked about how there was not much 80s representation, which is odd for her countdown at Geekcast Radio. So I'm guessing you're not too surprised that it's falling here at number 46. Um, I'm not too surprised, and I definitely think it's a it's an iconic name, and it has iconic personalities and characters involved. Me personally, I'd probably put five or six other action shows from the 80s ahead of it, and as far as quality goes, but. Uh, it does have the name recognition, so I'm not surprised it shows up. Uh, DJ, any thoughts on the A-Team? Oh, man. Uh, I might be the wrong guy to go here because I, <laughs> I freaking love this show. Uh, I mean, I'm, I am I, I mean, I ate Mr. T cereal. I watched the Mr. Nice. T cartoon show. I had the car, the die-cast van. Um, me and my friends for Halloween, we dressed up as the freaking A-Team. I was George Prepard because he is my favorite member of the A-Team. I love the A-Team so much. And I think that was really what angered me about the movie. It wasn't even angered me about the movie. I just, I love that show so much. And when I, and, and all the pieces that were there, it should have worked so much. You got Bradley Cooper and Liam Neeson and, and Charlton Copley and Rampage Jackson, whatever. And then you have Joe Carnahan as a director. I'm like, this should have been so much better. Guy who did NARC. Let's go, and it's just kind of like, eh. yeah. it, it, uh, again, it's it's my childhood uh, bias, and I, I, I don't know. Correct me if I'm wrong. I've always wondered this. George George Papard's character, um, Hannibal. Hannibal, awesome, awesome, awesome. He has he wore because my costume was the gloves. I had the black gloves, and I had the cigar, and I had the like the the the, the members only jacket. He had burn marks on his hands. Is that what was going on? Where he wore the gloves all the time? 
I'm not sure. I have to rewatch it. I, I remember him because he he'd be on the cover of the DVD. He's wearing the black leather gloves. And I go. I wonder why he. I think it's was it a tribute to Michael Jackson? It wasn't. No. <laughs> oh wow! No, you didn't just go there. With the Michael Jackson. Did you just three snaps and see formation over there? Because that's what that it sounded did. like. I think it was two snaps and a twist. I think <laughs> and all as I can think of is is Kit from Knight Rider back in '82 in Part One. And Michael Jackson moonwalk, <laughs> <laughs> but no, A Team is awesome. I love the show so much. I, I, I don't know. I can't remember where I put it. It might not even been. I had to like fight my heart in my head when I was making my <laughs> list. So if, if it was my heart, it'd be really, really, really high. But uh, yeah, I love the A Team. Well, now that I know you're a super fan, I've got plans for you podcasting wise regarding the show. Let's do it. Get, get, be scared. Be very scared. Uh, <laughs> shut up, Dan. <laughs> All right. Well, for our next in the countdown, uh, you know, we, we always have those shows of the countdown that people talk about. I think this will probably definitely be one of them. 45. Coming in at number 45, it wasn't inevitable you would get here sometime. The question was when. Uh, at number 45, we're having another superhero show, another CW superhero show. Arrow fell at 52. The Flash is falling at number 45 with 692 points. Uh, highest ranked as number three, of course, and was on nine lists. And I know, Mike, you had this in your top ten at number ten. So, again, two shows in a row, two shows in your top ten going down. Little little upset that The Flash is falling here at number 45? Well, first of all, I want to throw somebody under the bus and ask Kevin why he thinks the writing is so bad in this show. Mm. When did I ever say the writing was bad? <laughs> you said the writing was bad and I was the referring show was to cheesy. Gotham. No, I was referring oh. to Gotham. Okay. That would be correct. Okay. That would be correct. <laughs> that was all about Gotham. It, it sounded like you were talking about the Flash in that comment. But anyway, the Flash. No, Train I, I just exactly. <laughs> I just said on this week's Altered Geek that until this show, I didn't care one bit about learning anything about Barry Allen. <laughs> I grew up with the Justice League, Justice League Unlimited, DC Animated Universe, and Wally West was my Flash, and. Having this show come out of Arrow, and I wasn't upset that it was Barry and not Wally or whatever. I was interested because at that point, when Arrow debuted the thing, it um, you know it was it was cool, and I love the effects, I love the cast, uh, the action in the show is just great. Some people might say that season one was a lot of villain of the week. Yeah. I don't see it that way because. At least after episode 15 or 16 out of that 22-episode season, 22, 23, however many they had. I think, they had, I think they had 23. I don't know, whatever. Um, you know, after uh, episode 15 or so, the show started going in a direction of following the timeline and dealing with Harrison Wells and dealing with uh, you know him being Eobard Thawne and everything else. And season two has only kicked it up even more. Uh, it really has with with the whole breaches thing, and now you know we have the you know Earth infinite Earths and all that. And the way I look at the Flash at this point is season one was Flashpoint, season two is Crisis on Crisis on Infinite Earths. Yeah. Um, and I, I just can't wait to watch every single episode of this show. It's just so good. I think the coolest thing they did, the the, the coolest comedy moment they did, was actually in season one when they actually. Uh, 
said, hey, look, here's Grant Gustin. He used to be on Glee, and they had the karaoke episode. I thought that was awesome. (laughs) Steve, you had this at number four, uh, actually the second highest ranker of The Flash. So you... What are your thoughts on seeing it fall all the way at number 45? I'm sad. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was at least top 25. I I really enjoyed it. This is probably one of the most enjoyable superhero shows for me out of all of the ones that I've I've ranked. And uh, to see it fall this low, like, or this place in the list just has me sad. Um, I, it's... The special effects are great for what it is. It's got one of the highest rankings. It's actually caused CW to actually be one of the highest ranking uh, channels due to this show alone. Um, and and the fact that it's, you know, for those that that love Daredevil, okay, I, I get that. But like the for like anything that's on television right now that's like actually on TV, uh, I think the Flash is the strongest one out of all of them. Uh, Amanda, let's throw it over to you. Uh, thoughts on seeing this? I know we had a lot of love, but people think it's too low. Do you think it's too high, and it's more of a product of the superhero bias we are known and loved for? I think it's definitely a product of our um, geek bias here with the the comic book stuff. I I've seen some of this when it first came out. Um, I dragged Kevin along through the first couple episodes and. Um, I don't think that we got very far in it at all. We we're trying to, to match it up with our Arrow watching at the same time. I even watched, like, Flashpoint Paradox um, for this to try to, you know, get a feel of it. And um, I, I, it was okay. I don't think it's as good as Arrow. I'm surprised that it's beating out Arrow, honestly. Interesting, interesting. DJ, thoughts on The Flash? I know you're more of a Marvel fan, if I'm not mistaken, but... Well, I, I live-tweet... Uh... Flash and Arrow and um, uh, Supergirl for at Channel Superhero and I we talk about uh, Flash and Arrow comparisons on our show all the time. I think the difference between Arrow and Flash is that Arrow, one, it was the litmus test for this. Uh, well, I guess Super, uh, Smallville was, but uh, this new iteration of Greg Berlanti stuff. Flash Arrow hit its stride probably season two. And it kind of got lost its way halfway through season three. Flash hit its stride midway through season one. And its consistency of the show is just so... It it doesn't lose its consistency. Arrow kind of gets a little herky-jerky now, where you don't know... It's kind of unsure tonally. Flash from the get go, it's a, it's it's probably one of the most. I wouldn't say it's not. It's my favorite uh, comic book show. Mine, I am one of those Daredevil guys, but it's probably the most consistently good show of all the comic book shows. There, you can find the Arrow stinker in there somewhere, or even a Daredevil stinker, which is very hard for me to find. Uh, <laughs> Uh, or definitely an Ages of Seal stinker, or an entire season of Gotham, which all stinks. Uh, but Flash is just consistent and. One of the positives of the show that is probably overlooked by everybody, Grant Gustin, I, I, I apologize. I didn't think he was going to be that great when I heard about him, and he's great. But it's the supporting cast around him that makes that show so good. Jesse L. Martin, Joe, who I always say as I'm live tweeting the show, is my favorite character on the show. He is such a grounding force to that show. Any scene with him and, and uh, Grant Gustin, Barry, if you read it on a paper, it's the most cheesiest cliche thing you've ever read in your life but they are such uh, Jesse L. Martin especially and maybe John Wesley Shipp the uh, original Flash they're such good at portraying this cheesy thing in such a realistic and actually endearing manner 
which I think Arrow sometimes has problems doing. Their actors around uh, Stephen Amell aren't as strong as you got Tom Cavanaugh, you got Jesse L. Martin, John Wesley Shipp, as I mentioned, Mark frickin' Hamill will show up once in a while. It's such a consistently good show. So uh, I would say this is high because it's so new, but uh, I, I again, I can understand. So I definitely need to finish watching at least the first season. Yeah, yeah, it, it, yeah. If you if you if you hitch your 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 anchor onto the supporting actors, first off, Cisco gets way better on that show. At the first like four episodes, I hated him. I was like, I hate this guy. Please stop <laughs> yeah. talking. Even when he was on Arrow, I was like, please stop talking. Please stop talking. But now he he gets every good line of the show. It's it's now the Cisco. When I'm live tweeting it, it's the Cisco watch. When is going to be the Cisco line of the night? Or something, and they got like great character. Victor Garber, I forgot about, will show up and just do yeah. great performances on that show. Arrow is kind of lacking in that strong. Other than Barrowman, they don't have a really strong uh, grounding force around Stephen Amell. It's Stephen Amell actually carrying it because it's not Laura Lance, it's not <laughs> no, Thea, no. it's 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 Barrowman. It's probably uh, David Ramsey for Diggle, and that's about it. I love really. Diggle. It's, and, and Felicity, Felicity, who got good and sucked last season, they they effed up her character. But there's everybody around Grant Gustin on that show is a veteran good actor. So yeah, Flash is a great show. It, 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 for me, it doesn't beat out Daredevil, but it's, it's still a very very good show. It, said, it is very strong, like overall between all the people, and and I do agree. Cisco does get better with time, yeah. uh, and especially with season two, he has a more amped up role. Mm-hmm. Uh, because of events that happened at the end of season one, so it's it, it's definitely uh, it's only gotten stronger. Whereas like a lot of the other superhero shows kind of have ups and downs, um, and, and even even talking like Gotham, Gotham only got good in season two, season one blew um, yeah. through most of it, and then the you one get huge. then you get Agents <laughs> of Shield, and and the third season actually starting to get better, starting starting and. Yeah. Uh, Arrow, the the season's better now. So I mean, like overall, Flash is the only only one consistently getting better at each episode. Kevin, Jesus. uh usually when we get to the top fifty, the question usually stops being, "Do these shows belong in the top one hundred And more so, they should belong. Is this a, one of the shows where we're seeing that maybe doesn't belong in the top one hundred? Well, I mean, you asked before about a superhero bias. We have Agents of Shield on our top 100 TV shows <laughs> yeah, of all time. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. the only thing that's the only thing that's surprising me about our superhero bias is somehow a, a show like Gotham somehow didn't make the list. Thank well, God, but y- yes, I, yes. But I mean, I'm surprised it didn't with some of the other stuff that we've seen. So, I mean, I think The Flash is a great show. I mean, I've only seen about a third of the third or a half of the first season. And, you know, I like Arrow. I like Flash. Uh, I really, really like Daredevil. And so all these shows are, are good. But Flash and Arrow being top 50 around that mark of, of all time, that's a little bit high. If yeah. at all. I mean, I I could see this maybe if they came in in the 90s or something like that. Yeah, I, I didn't rank the Flash or the Arrow. I, I like the Flash a lot. Arrow, like I said last week, I as DJ mentioned too, it's way, way too inconsistent for me. Flash is a good show. I'm not saying this as a knock against the Flash, but you're talking about 50, top 50 shows of all time, not, you know, top 50 shows of today, definitely. Uh, of all time, you, I don't, I don't know, like... We talked about Kirby Enthusiasm, the Honeymooners. Am I putting the Flash in that same category? No. If I'm comparing it within its genre of the superhero shows, you know, it's certainly up there. 
but I, I, I don't. If we're getting into like the best of the best, I n- don't necessarily see it yet. It's potential. I don't know. I, I enjoy it, but it, it's not something where I feel that it's uh, deserving at this point. Where I know I, I do. I have ranked current shows that only are in one season, and I've enjoyed the Flash. But like looking at Mr. Robot in DJ's favorite oh. show that we talked about <laughs> last week, I, you know, looking at that season compared to this, I think Mr. Robot's far more deserving based upon what it's done, than The Flash. Uh, not saying, again, it's not a bad show, it's a enjoyable show, but I think it's more so if you remove the fact that superheroes, and then, I don't know, if you were, it would be nearly this high. Well, this might give hope to those people that were uh, holding out hope that they might see something like The Incredible Hulk show up. I mean, if The Flash is showing up, maybe we'll get some classic stuff. I mean, we live in a world where Gorilla Grodd shows up in <laughs> multiple episodes of it. I mean, if, you don't, if you're not a comic book reader... The absurdity of them doing a TV show where Rainbow Warrior shows up and Wentworth Miller is Captain Cole is just, I'm, I'm sorry, for a comic book old geek like me, it's just kind of, <laughs> I'm not a DC, I'm a Marvel over DC, but I've read DC, and I know some of how kooky Flash's rogues gallery is, and these guys seem to figure out how to not shy away from it, play upon it, or, you know, use the, the absurdity to their advantage and Arrow is only good now when he's with him. <laughs> when Arrow shows up on the Flash, it's like, that's the Arrow I love. Where has that Arrow gone? <laughs> well, you said earlier that, that Arrow is kind of herky-jerky, and all I can think of is, so essentially what you're saying is Arrow is essentially Humpty Dumpty just dangling on the wall. <laughs> I will say Arrow does have this every other season thing, kind of like the Star Trek films. It's The first season's not very good, second's great, third's not very good, and then the fourth is great so far. I'm was worried about Flash. Like this is the second season. This is when Arrow hit its stride, and then it fell off a cliff. Literally, uh, <laughs> I just think there's a lot more to do with the Flash, though, than with Arrow. Like Arrow's having to tap into like a lot of other well, Arrow's rogues galleries. Yeah. They're just well, doing yeah. Batman with Green Arrow because they can't use Batman for some reason, which is which ridiculous. It's fine. I just wish you'd you know. I don't know. Some, it's, it just seems like it's half-boiled. I know you guys probably already talked to Arrow to death last time, so I'll I, I just stick with Flash. Flash is just so... You can just see it. It's consistent. I just hope it doesn't, again, fall off a cliff, literally, like Arrow did. And it's it's such a fun show. Even when at the end of season one, and I'm trying my best not to spoil this for Kevin and Amanda, even at the end of season one going into season two, how it got so dark... Yeah. It didn't get dark like Arrow got dark. It yeah. still had a light-hearted humor to it underneath the tones that were dark. And that's what works. You know, you mentioned earlier about Jesse L. Martin. Yeah. As soon as I saw him cast as Joe West, I'm like, oh, my God. It's, it's, it's Mr. Law and Order himself. It's like, <laughs> oh, my God. Yes, and he's playing a cop. That's great. That he works. He owns every single scene he's in. He owns the scene. Have it's you not like... seen the most recent episode? Yeah, I'm, I'll, the, I have to. I the have three to. of them. All three. Uh, uh, Barry, Joe, and, and Henry. Yeah, they, yeah. No, no, Henry. They oh, ship, yeah, ship. Well, they own that entire ending scene. That was amazing. There's a there's a scene uh, last not this episode that just aired the episode before. I'm, I won't spoil anything, but something happens with Flash, and Tom Cavanaugh is essentially trying to be this big bad mean dude, and Jesse L. Martin is angry, and he slams Tom Cavanaugh against this wall. 
and it's the most real. I was like, whoa! <laughs> it was just such a great moment because it was real. Like it's like, oh my god, it's, Jesse L. Martin is just owning this show. He, he just not he's not gonna get the credit because he's not is run super fast or have any powers. He's just a good man who's a father figure to Barry, which is a, a grounding force which Arrow is severely lacking right now. So I mean, other than Felicity, there's not a lot of grounding forces around Stephen Amell acting wise. You know what that scene reminded me of? Hmm. Goodwill Hunting. Don't you ever disrespect my wife again, or yes, I'll end you. That I'll scene. End right, you. Perfect, perfect example. Because Absolutely. it made me jump like, oh, oh, yeah, all right. And then I understood it like, yep, he he doesn't give a crap about how cool you think you are or any of that stuff. You mess with my family, I'll kill you. That was just such a realistic moment. I thought. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, let's move on to the next in the countdown. Forty-four. Alrighty. Well, coming in at number 44, we're actually traveling to a ground that we saw a lot of so far in this countdown, surprisingly, which has been one of the big surprises as we go back to the world of sketch comedy. As in coming in at number 44 is Chappelle's show with 694 points. It was on 11th list, as highest ranked as number three. Actually, DJ, I will start with you here as you had it at number 10. So, again, situation where it's not nearly as high as you ranked it. A little disappointed we are not seeing Chappelle show higher than number 44. I think the flaming out of the Chappelle show and that kind of ghost season that happened while uh, Dave was in Africa trying to find himself again uh, <laughs> kind of might have tainted a bit. You have to understand, when Chappelle show came out, it was phenomenon like a phenomenon it wasn't just like oh this that was really funny everybody if any walks of life was talking about Chappelle show do you see that sketch you see the rick james sketch did you see the prince basketball sketch or did you see sketch, the, yeah. the, the the race draft did you see that i mean every sketch was i mean you watch snl there's like one sketch maybe out of three episodes that are like oh that was really funny every <laughs> sketch on Chappelle show was just knocking it out of the park I, and this is why i kind of like uh, Key and Peel, even them, who I love a lot, they'll have enough sketch in there that's kind of like, eh, that was alright. Chappelle was knocking them all out of the park, and you were just seeing a comedian really at the height of his powers, almost Eddie Murphy-like. I'm not saying he's as good as Eddie Murphy, because Eddie Murphy was uh, another, he was like a freaking icon, he still is. Uh, but it was just like, such a rise to power. And he, and even as you see, Chappelle knew he was rising very fast, and that pressure... I, against I get, this, this was so much to bear. But that show is so great. I'm looking at it right now. It's on my counter. The, both seasons of the spell show. I have season one and season two. It is so funny, and uh, the drop off in comedy after that show went off the air. It's like a, a black hole. It's the gargantuan and Interstellar just sucked up. When Chappelle left, it was a just an abyss of no comedy until Key and Peele kind of showed up, which I think. It's not it, Key and Pill is a great show, not as good as Chappelle's show, but it, it, they're they're like a nice ointment for the burn left <laughs> after Chappelle. I definitely, I think Key and Pill started them getting much better shows than they had in, in a long time. A show that was not Tosh Point Kevin, I know <laughs> we talked about the fact that sketch comedy being a big surprise, and you mentioning that you'd be surprised if we saw more modern sketch comedy than classic sketch comedy. Was this one that you're surprised seeing as we're getting Chappelle's show here at number forty four? 
No, I'm not necessarily surprised at seeing it. It, it does support the fact that somehow we're going to see more modern sketch comedies than classic when I think it was much more of a staple for classic TV in the 50s and, and whatnot. I'm, I ranked six, I think six sketch comedies in my top 100. This just was on the outside looking in. Um, if, if I was to add one or two more sketch comedies, this would have definitely been one of them. So, I mean, I, I agree with you. everything you guys have been saying about Chappelle's show and how popular it was. And, and like DJ was saying, the the biggest draw to it was the fact that it was hit after hit after hit, where there's been a, times when Saturday Night Live can get to that point, but it's been, for me, a long time since it's been that. Um, and, and there's a lot more misses on Saturday Night Live than you got with Chappelle's show. Um, I don't know if that's fair to judge, you know, three years versus decades of shows, of course, yeah. but... Um, yeah, I mean, Chappelle's show is great. I wish it would have, I was kind of getting into it the most right as it kind of fizzled out. So it was kind of a bummer, but, uh, I think it's, I think it's deserving of being in the conversation regardless of if it's on the list or not. Amanda, any thoughts on Chappelle's show? I actually ranked it at number 98. Um, I wanted to put it higher, but I, I just had so much on my list that I couldn't squeak it in. Um, who doesn't like the black white supremacist skit? I thought oh, that was Jesus. awesome. Uh, <laughs> I have that entire skit memorized. <laughs> and, <laughs> I love it so much. Uh, I think he was, he was super revolutionary. And I think he took, um, like DJ said, that, that um, Eddie Murphy, Richard Pryor feel and turned it into some, something modern that people could really get behind and, and, put a bunch of stuff out there that people were too scared to, to bring up or they, they didn't want to risk their reputation, but his whole reputation was based on this controversy and he made it happen. Yeah. And I remember being one of the first shows that it was like a web hit in the sense that the night after it came on, I was in high school and we were going to the computers and we were watching those skits and trying and the, the back. You had the, computers when you were in high school? They did. No, you just had a birthday, Dan. I know. I know. Handy, handy computers. They were they were the size of a room and <laughs> Do you want to play a game? Exactly. <laughs> we we had Kong. It was a good time. Like it was a good time. But yeah, I remember being one of the first shows where it you know, it was an internet sensation as well because of just how how great it was and it I think it could have even, you know, it, it didn't drop off because, well, it dropped off not because of quality, but just because of factors outside of the show. And if, you know, Chappelle stayed with it, it could have even been better. But the what he did do was certainly phenomenal. And the fact that it still gets run on Comedy Central and it's still like one of the best rated shows on that network, even though it's not been on the air or new episodes for over a decade. So it does show you that, you know, the quality of that show. Alrighty, let's move on to next in the countdown. 43. Coming in at number 43, we're going to one place we were at once so far, going back there again. We've talked about different networks and things of that like that. FX has been dominated in the countdown. Well, we had one Netflix show, and we're getting another Netflix show. Coming in at number 43, we have House of Cards with 694 Ooh. points. It was on 11 list, highest ranked at number 4, so it was in someone's top 5. Uh, DJ, I'll get and start with, start with you because you did have this on your list. So what are your thoughts on seeing House of Cards drop here at uh, number 43? think it's too low, too high, good spot? I think it's a little low. I think time's going to tell. Uh, this is one of the most successful remakes of a show because this is uh, up, up there with The Office, I guess, because this is the British miniseries House of Cards. Uh, 
is also very like renowned and people like but if you if you watch this show man it is people talk about scandal and i was having a big discussion with my sister who's a huge scandal fan she's like why don't you watch scandal because i go well <laughs> i can watch house of cards which is a better written, better performed show with Oscar-winning actors and Oscar <laughs> and Oscar-nominated directors with the same kind of subject matter and enjoy that in a movie form with no censorship. That's why I watch House of Cards and that scandal because you got Kevin frickin' Spacey, all right? David Fincher that directs the pilot. Oh, President-elect Garrett Walker. Do I like him? No. Do I believe in him? That's beside the point. Any politician that gets 70 million votes has tapped into something larger than himself, larger than even me, as much as I hate to admit it. Look at that winning smile, those trusting eyes. I latched onto him early on and made myself vital. After 22 years in Congress, I can smell which way the wind is blowing. Oh, Jim Matthews, his right honorable vice president, former governor of Pennsylvania. He did his duty in delivering the Keystone State, bless his heart, and now they're about to put him out to pasture. But he looks happy enough, doesn't he? For some, it's simply the size of a chair. <laughs> Linda Vasquez, Walker's chief of staff, I got her hired. She's a woman, check, and a Latina, check, but more important than that, she's as tough as a $2 steak. Check, check, check. When it comes to the White House, you not only need the keys in your back pocket, you need the gatekeeper. As for me, I'm just a lowly House Majority Whip. I keep things moving in a Congress choked by pettiness and lassitude. My job is to clear the pipes and keep the sludge moving. But I won't have to be a plumber much longer. I've done my time. I've backed the right man. Give and take. Uh, Robin Wright, I'm, if you know anything about me, I'm a huge proponent of... Uh, strong female characters and robin wright might play the strongest female character we've seen on television in maybe 20 years it's essentially macbeth and it's just she is the lady macbeth of this show and what got me kind of a spoiler alert there's a sequence that happens in the first maybe one or two episodes maybe the first episode where she kevin space is a politician he kind of cheats on robin wright with this other character and when he comes home you're just gonna see how how is this gonna play out and you realize she knows all about it she doesn't care anything about that their relationship is strong enough to where it's about power for them sex is a tool to get what they want it's such a well-written and the way she robin wright performs it's such a well-written well-performed show from top to bottom it's and I know if you're not into politics and stuff, it could get a little, I know, over your head stuff. All you got to do is just tie your boat to Kevin Spacey. He <laughs> is the driving force of this show. On top of the fact that he's breaking the fourth wall. And as a Deadpool fan, any guy who breaks the fourth wall, Ferris Bueller, uh, is great. It's great. And uh, the second, the season that this passed was probably the weakest of of the seasons. But still, as weak as it could have been, it's still Kevin Spacey just killing it on that show. Um, one of the, one of probably the best actors working right now. So yeah, House of Cards, great show for me. Yeah, it's it's as someone who loves monologues, House of Cards oh, is yeah. perfect because Kevin yeah, Spacey yes, has yeah. a, a bunch of them. You know, every so nearly every other episode, just salmon is you know like you said breaking the fourth wall monologue, having that Fincher style to it, the cinematic feeling to there's this like dark, dark ominous tone throughout the series i kind of love season two the most because it gets so yeah. just 
outrageous, like soap opera, just <laughs> crazy at times where it's like, okay, yes. there's no there's no barriers anymore. They're just going to be super cheesy. Cheesy is a strong word. Sleazy, maybe, and like just revel in it. You know, they're going to go some really interesting places, like you mentioned. I thought season three was probably, it just felt like season three just was trying to lead something and didn't quite get yeah. there. Um, well, they weakened they weakened Robin Wright, which yeah. I kind of got upset about because she I'm I'm telling you she's my again favorite character on the show because she is such the anti cliched woman in a in a television show like this where it's like oh she'll complain about this no she won't she'll revel in it or she will she'll uh, revel in this no she this affects her it's like it's she does everything that you think she's gonna how she's gonna react is the complete opposite and it's so interesting to watch her play it. It's also a show that you know has a huge impact just because it legitimizes Netflix as a as a location for television. You know, yeah. it, that, it kind of put all of its money in the basket of House of Cards, and it ended up paying off. It was nominated; it was the first web series nominated for major Emmys for best series, you know, Golden Globes as well. Kevin Spacey was has been nominated, Robin Wright as well. So it has a pedigree there. So it was. You know, there's a lot of pressure on House of Cards to succeed, and if it didn't succeed, Netflix may not be what it is now. We may not get shows like Daredevil or Jessica Jones mm-hmm. because House of Cards isn't successful. Who knows what happens with Netflix? So it ended up paying off, and people loving it. I know people when it would when the series is coming out. I knew people who would take the day off because they want to sit sit home and watch the entire series. Oh, yeah, so. I been I was one of those people. I binged. <laughs> I binged uh, season two. I ran through that. I was like, I got to take make a weekend of this because I was yeah. just going to watch this whole se- the whole series. And again, it's just great. It just attracts Corey Stoll, David F- Jodie Foster directed a couple episodes. Just so much talent has run through that 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 series. It's 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 phenomenal. All righty, well, well, I'm trying to come up with a non sequitur for our next entry as we get into number forty two. Forty two. Coming in at number 42, we're going to an area we're very familiar with when it comes to the world of the top 100s, as in the world of animation, as we're getting another animated show, our third of the countdown so far. Uh, Coming in at number two, we have Family Guy, with 697 points, so only three more points than that of House of Cards. It was on 11 list, as highest ranked as number five. Uh, Steve, let's start with you here because you had it ranked at number 70, so the other half of the top 50. What are your thoughts on seeing it make the top 50? Do you feel it's deserving? Or do you feel it should be higher on the list or lower? Or Again, I can't ever figure out which way direction-wise that should go. <laughs> I, I'm not disappointed with it. I, I kind of saw that coming uh, at some point. I was actually wondering when it was going to show up, more so because the following it has, besides the fact that it's... Well, I mean, it, didn't it get canceled and revived at one point? Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's, that's what I thought. I think it's a little bit better than Simpsons to some degree because it kind of still covers some other things that, I don't know, I, I think it's still fresh enough that it, it can hit some different notes that, that Simpsons has kind of lost over the years, if that makes any sense. Yeah. I, I just I, I think that the show like it's not one of my favorites, but it's it's definitely an, an iconic uh, primetime Sunday animation show. Yeah, it's definitely something that uh, gets talked about a lot. It's, it's definitely very much in the now and and you know something that people are aware of. That everybody knows the characters involved. For me, oddly enough, you'd be surprised, Mike, but I didn't actually rank it in my top 100. Um, I I refuse I only, to. Uh, yeah, we know your th- we know your <laughs> thoughts refuse, about like it just. No. Okay, go ahead, Mike. 
but I, I only had room for three animated uh, TV shows in my top 100. If I was to expand that to like five, Family Guy probably with one other one would have would have snuck in. But I don't think you can deny the presence of Family Guy over the last decade, decade and a half. But um, I don't know. I'm, I'm int- I did not think it would be on the countdown, and I definitely did not think it would be up this high. But I was smiling from ear to ear when Dan said it, just because I was picturing Mike's face so, <laughs> of pure anger. <laughs> yeah, he hates this show unequivocally for no reason. So, um, DJ, what do you what do you think about Family Guy? Uh, I got into Family Guy in college, uh, and would this say that during college, uh, coming home <laughs> after you know being out and you're with a bunch of your friends and you're maybe imbibing in certain things. Family Guy is a great show for that. Uh, (laughs) And I was, we were very happy to see a lot of our, a lot of pop culture references that we grew up with. Cobra Commander for one, showing up on a cartoon show as a joke, which I thought I would never see. They say Simpsons wouldn't do that. But as I got older um, and I compared it to shows like a South Park where they're handling issues in a much better written way, in a cleverer way. And so, uh, Family Guy, this comes off a little bit more shallow in the w- terms of we're just going to show you a pop culture reference and we're going to beat this joke until it's pulp. You know, that kind of <laughs> bothered me. So uh, when I was younger and uh, I didn't care, it's a, it was a good show to just come home at 2 o'clock in the morning, pop on and, you know, giggle with your friends. But when it comes to the grand scheme of animated uh, shows that are more geared toward adults, I I, I would put it under definitely under South Park and uh, I guess just for longevity's sake I put it under Simpsons yeah but, and uh, the, the other one that's already shown up uh, the one animated that has shown up is the Flintstones and I don't yeah. think you can put Family Guy ahead of that I think the biggest drawback from Family Guy for me as someone who actually loves the show is it does definitely have some consistency issues and it has its ups and downs and for that reason I don't I don't see it as a top 50 show um, I'd switch the Flintstones in this Easily. I'd switch your mom for this. <laughs> Jesus. Well, she's dead. You want to go dig her up? <laughs> no. This has gotten really dark all of a sudden. <laughs> you said, D- DJ, you said imbibing. All I can think of is dogma. Angels can't imbibe alcohol, hence all the spitting. I am Alan Rickman. <laughs> DJ hit it right on the head, though. The, the best way to watch Family Guy and experience it was in college, was after a night of drinking, and was yes. with just a few friends because that was that's, when it was at its that's funniest. What it was made for. I, that's literally why it got a second life because it got canceled, and then people bought it on DVD and would pop it in at two o'clock in the morning, coming from the right. club. And, it's probably and watched it, more on DVD than it was on TV. Definitely. So yeah, I mean, I, again, what in that veil of intoxication, it's probably very great. But when you start putting it up soberly again, writing-wise, and I mean me being very highfalutin and saying writing-wise and story-wise and consistently-wise, I just don't get as clever a writing. It's essentially just a pop culture joke, uh, callback, pop culture joke, callback show, where South Park is doing taking that pop culture reference and really just dig it into the clever part of it. I mean, it might seem like, oh, it's a fart joke or the killing, killing. No, 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 no. They do certain things on that show where it's really deconstruct, especially the episode where they uh, crapped all over (laughs) Simpsons and Family Guy. So, yeah. Or the Yelp episode. The Yelp episode was awesome. Yeah. I mean, they essentially uh, deconstructed and showed you the formula that makes Pop uh, Family Guy run, which is good, again, 
uh, in short doses, but as a longevity of a show, it's not that not that great. All right. Any other thoughts on Family Guy before we move on to the next in the countdown? All righty. Let's move on to our next in the list. And we are, again, one of the shows I feel like are going to be a highlight of this countdown. Hmm. 41. With Boy Meets World, we had a show that was very much the 90s, very much in the zeitgeist that we grew up in. And I feel that's the same thing with our next entry at number 41. As I remember when this debuted on Netflix, it was one of the most talked about shows, even though it was over for a decade. As coming in at number 41, we have Friends. And it's the first show to break the 700-point barrier as it received 700 points. It was on 11 lists, as highest ranked as number 6. So it was on one person's top 10. Uh, Kevin, I will start with you here. And this is a lot, a lot, a lot higher ranked than, or a lot lower ranked, I should say, than you had it. I think you had it in your top twenty. So you think this is a little low for Friends coming in here at forty-one? It's probably a little low. I know Friends is getting maybe a little bit more hate from people as years pass, and I know obviously this is part of the influence for why we're doing this uh, list in the first place. But I think the reason I do still rank Friends slightly higher than this is because it was not necessarily the carbon copy um, sitcom or whatever you want to call it. It, it, I mean, you had so many sitcoms that were following the same formula, had like the family element or this, that, and the other. You can't name too many that were like Friends before that maybe a couple in like a roundabout way could be compared to it, but it was very unique. Uh, it definitely was on, you know, for 10 seasons and it was easily one of the most popular shows for an entire generation, an entire decade. It was in the, it was a top 10 rated show, nine of its 10 seasons, including number one rated show in the country. One of those years. So it was definitely very popular. Um, and I don't know, I, I think there's something to say for the format and for what they were doing. And, and yeah, some of the stuff got drawn out maybe longer than it needed to. And everybody has characters that they like or characters that they don't like. But there was no one that was growing up in the 90s that didn't know what Friends was and what was, you know, what it was all about. I just didn't care. You had it, uh, Amanda, you had it at 15. So actually a little, little, a little lower than Kevin, but not that far off. So... Similar thoughts to Kevin that you think it should be higher than number 41 on the list? No, I think it's okay. I had it ranked pretty high on my list just because of the huge following that it had. And I think it still has to this day. I mean, I think it sparked Jennifer Aniston's career, definitely, right? I mean, not the leprechaun that she was in. <laughs> uh, that helped, too. That, that was a key component. That got her the uh, We Are the Millers. crap on leprechaun. Don't you dare. <laughs> oh, I, yeah, I, I saw that, like, H6. Uh, I've been on board for a while with the leprechaun train. But <laughs> Jennifer Aniston, um, you know, Joey, didn't he get his own show for a second, too? Oh, yeah. For a second. <laughs> not much longer than that. <laughs> That happened. <laughs> <laughs> that did happen. Uh, I think that it, it probably gets more love than it, it does deserve just because it got drawn out after a while. And um, But it's just you can't deny the, the iconic nature of it. Yeah, I mean, I did grow up really loving the Friends. I still, I still like it now. It's one of the, I, it's on like, like TBS or syndication a lot. I think the first thing I remember of Friends seeing was actually an Animaniacs episode before I started watching Friends, and then 
getting into it. And I think, too, it's one of the first ensemble comedies where there was not a major character that was the, the, the center point. Like, they all had, like, equal time, and they were all the chemistry between the cast was certainly phenomenal. I mean, it went on for ten seasons, and maybe the latter seasons weren't as good as Prime, but it, it also just, you know, it was so much of the 90s. I watched, the, you know, watching it on Netflix now, it just feels like a representation of everything 90s, from the dress to the hairstyles to the way they talk. Yeah. Like, Chandler started a new way of talking. Like, you, there's so many people that talk like Chandler now. You know, could you be more annoying? You know, that that became a thing and still is to this day. So, and I think it's it is quite funny. It was highly rated. It had was, uh, you know, like Kevin mentioned, it was very much very popular show. It received 62 primetime Emmy Award nominations. It's won a bunch as well. So, it's uh, one of those shows that both had critical and fan base so i think it's definitely deserving 41 is a good spot i think you could make the argument it could be higher uh but dj any thoughts before we move on to the next in the countdown uh <laughs> i kind of was uh, introduced to this show through chandler because uh i didn't understand what the hell the big deal was with friends and somebody goes hey you watch this episode with me and uh, i was i was trying to date this person so i was like right, fine i'll watch the episode and it was uh the I'm trapped in an ATM vestibule with Jill Goodacre. And that was, I thought was really funny. And I was like, Oh, that was pretty funny. Uh, I'll stick to channel. And I started watching some of these shows. I was like, hmm, this show is not meant for me, but it is a, it's like the McDonald's. It's, I, I, I don't eat McDonald's, but I understand it. It's a global freaking phenomenon and I cannot escape it. So I, I understand that uh, being ranked on this list, it, this wouldn't be ranked anywhere on my list. And it's, Oddly, the, the the for them to be in New York, <laughs> the the demographics of that show always bothered me a little bit. But I mean, that's just I could kind the of chocolate love that. on could... Friends. <laughs> yeah, I think it, that it was... show killed the Rembrandt's career. Honestly, yeah. <laughs> whatever the, whatever the hell happened to that band? I don't know. <laughs> well, it made their career and it killed it because I'm pretty sure that was. <laughs> yeah, and honestly, the only episode I remember from the show outside of the all, the constant will-they-won't-they they crap from Ross and oh, Rachel God. was the Hootie and the Blowfish concert. Mm. <laughs> I'd peg you for a Stinky Cat episode, guy. <laughs> Those are good episodes, <laughs> too. I mean, when, when she had the sexy voice, that was a good time. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> I was once compared uh, to Phoebe from Friends. I don't get it. I don't, I don't but... Uh, mm. I guess it's better than being. I guess that's better than being a Rachel. I don't know. You know, I don't know. That how many? I mean, how many people have seen those stupid quizzes on Facebook? Like, what friends person are you? I always get, <laughs> I always get the monkey, and I'm weird. I don't know. You got the outbreak the, monkey? Oh my god! That's the best character in the whole series. <laughs> you killed Kevin Spacey. <laughs> Alrighty. Well, let's move on to the next in the countdown. Forty. Coming in at number 40, we're going across the pond for our number 40 entry. Uh, coming in with 717 points. It was on 12 lists, as highest ranked as number one. So we are seeing another number one fall, the second of the countdown today. Uh, it is Sherlock, uh, the Ooh. BBC drama starring none other than the, the best-named actor today, Benedict Cumberbatch and Martin Freeman. DJ, you had this ranked as well rather high, so what are your thoughts on seeing Sherlock fall here? great thing about the character of Sherlock Holmes is that you can make 75 different iterations <laughs> of him, and they all be equally 
interesting. I mean, you have Mr. Holmes, you've got Benedict, you got uh, Elementary, you got Robert Downey Jr. Sherlock Holmes, uh, Benedict Benedict Cumberbatch. Uh, it was something I kind of found on a like some oh watch this BBC show and I kind of didn't really was I wasn't really going to sit there and watch it. And the scene where he figures out in the first episode uh, Martin Freeman's backstory by the phone, the way they shot it. Uh, Moffat uh, does it with the the text on the screen. I just thought it was this is a different take from uh, any Sherlock Holmes I've seen, and I, I've seen so many Sherlock Holmes versions. I did, we were just coming off of the Robert Downey Jr. one where Guy Ritchie was doing the play it in your head and play it back thing, and this is a completely different way of how his mind works. Instead of the manic, uh, the, Robert Downey Jr. kind of played it like the, the, the drug induced Holmes. Uh, Benedict was playing it almost like Asperger's, like it's like he can't control it kind of thing. I just thought it was very, very, very interesting. I do love the show. I love the way they formatted it, where it's there just three mini-movies, kind of. Sherlock, actual human life. Just, just so I know, do you care about that at all? Well, caring about them helps save them. Nope. Then I'll continue not to make that mistake. And you find that easy, do you? Yes, very. Is that news to you? No. No. I've disappointed you. It's good. It's a good deduction, yeah. Don't make people into heroes, John. Heroes don't exist, and if they did, I wouldn't be one of them. And the chemistry with Benedict and Martin Freeman is, the, I think, the, uh, uh, I, I want to say the best. I, I do love Robert Downey Jr. and Jude Law. I, I'm not a big fan of, uh, uh, I like the show, but I don't think the chemistry between uh, Lucy Liu and the other guy from Trainspotting, I forget his name right now. Uh, Johnny Lee Miller. Johnny Lee Miller. I don't think their chemistry is as good as Martin Freeman and, and Benedict Cumberbatch. He is it's great. And he was supposed to be Doctor Who, and they I think they cast... Um, I think it was Matt Smith instead or something uh and he they gave him Sherlock instead and I it's just, it's such a really well written show um so yeah I'm a big fan of Sherlock yeah I Johnny Lee Miller will always be zero cool <laughs> he's great on that show he's a great Sherlock Holmes as well I just that show does have its problem it does a elementary as compared to Sherlock I think does the most interesting thing with Moriarty than any I've ever seen before, but I won't spoil it. But uh, 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 it uh, the the Sherlock show I think is just a better written show, better actors, better yeah, shot. And, yeah, and I think too the thing that always kills me with with Sherlock is just the production of it. Like you mentioned, just it, it revolutionized how we use text in movies in TV yeah. shows. Up to that point, it was always so clunky how people would have to do it, either have people read it or show the screen, but the way they so effortlessly did it, which doesn't seem like a big deal, but considering how often and how much it's been duplicated other places, and I love the format of the three-episode seasons that are 90 minutes each. It, I think it really allows for tight stories that are you know, basically mini-movies or complete movies, really, and Martin Freeman, Benedict Cumberbatch, or phenomenal actors. I mean, they're in everything nowadays and, you know, Benedict Cumberbatch becoming Doctor Strange and uh, he's, uh, to me, my he probably my favorite Sherlock is probably my favorite Sherlock property more so than Elementary, which I haven't really seen so I can't say, but even more than the RDJ, RDJ movies, but you can like it, you can, you, you can enjoy them to me, that's why I like the character Sherlock is such a, it's like one of the oldest superheroes. You can enjoy them equally and separately. I can watch Robert yeah. Downey Jr. Sherlock Holmes movie, and then I can watch a TV show, and they're the same character, but completely two different ways of playing it, and I, I can enjoy them both, which is, makes the, that's a testament to the character, I think. Definitely. As much as I like, I like uh, Benedict Cumberbatch, I can't 
bring myself to watch that because I'm in such love with the RDJ films. I mean, I like Guy Ritchie it stuff. It won't but hurt I just, it. I'm, I'm scared to. Yeah, it won't hurt it. it because he's playing it, it. It's essentially one. It's in modern day, which is another interesting thing to do with Sherlock Holmes. Because just imagine that brain. This is before Elementary came out. Imagine that brain in modern day, and the way they shoot it is just. It's the same but different. I don't know how to explain it. It's just it, he's playing it almost like a mental disorder where Robert Downey Jr. is playing it like he's manic. You don't know. <laughs> Robert Downey Jr. is playing it like he's just a drunken... Uh, Tony Stark. Yeah, yeah. He's playing it like himself, essentially. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then he's playing like 90s Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> Wait, isn't Cumberbatch is strange? I thought uh, B.D. Wong was going to be Hugo Strange. No, 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 that's Hugo Strange in Gotham. He, uh, oh, okay. Uh, Stephen Strange, Doctor Strange. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah, But, yeah, so I'm happy to see it fall here. I had it a little higher, but I'm glad it made the left. So let's move on to the next in the countdown. Again, getting into uh, an area we haven't seen a lot, but seems like it's popping up a lot, this portion of the countdown. 39. All righty, coming in at number 39 uh, with... 734 points. It was on 12 list, as highest ranked as number eight. We have Roseanne, the comedy from, that ran from 1988 to 1997. We talked. I think we even mentioned a little bit this already when we mentioned the honeymooners. Uh, Kevin, I'll start with you here because you had this ranked as thir- at 13. Are you a little upset? It's not any higher. You think it, it's much more deserving of being higher on the count than countdown than where it's falling? Um, I, I, I'm not. I'm not surprised that it's not higher. Um, upset? I'm not gonna get upset, but I mean, <laughs> you got to though. Get get to, get emotional about it. The, the, this definitely. I mean, our our countdown's a little bit more aimed. Uh, I think it's given a little more credit so far. It might change, but to more modern stuff and what's in the now. So I'm not surprised that it's a little bit lower. Uh, this is not a show that I necessarily liked when I was uh, younger. It's not a show that I cared for when it was actually live. But it's something that I came to appreciate a lot more as I watched it in rerun syndication, etc. Um, and this was something that, yeah, it has the same type of structure as a lot of sitcoms that came before it or that came after it as far as the family dynamic. But what Roseanne did was completely different than most of those. And I give it credit for not being afraid to push the boundaries and not in a crude way like married with children in a completely different way for me because married with children more was a more of a turnoff for me than roseanne was i I don't don't know it was on for 10 years it you know highly rated seven times in the top 10 and obviously roseanne is just an individual is iconic um whether you like her or not just don't let her sing the national anthem (laughs) but uh, i don't know i think this is one that has had some staying power and this is something that you can watch even though i didn't like it when it was live it's something that you can watch after the fact and still today and it still works. It still holds up regardless of the time period that it was shot and the location that it was shot, which is actually right up my, right up our alley where we're living. Um, But it's just something that I think you can watch and you can still get something out of it and you can still kind of understand why it worked. So for me, I think it deserves to be probably top 25 material, um, but I'm not upset that it's top 50. I mean, this actually fell lower. You had it at 66. It's falling here at 40. What do you think about Roseanne seeing it here? I 
did rank it a little bit lower, but I didn't know how much love that it would get, and I didn't want I didn't want to get too much shit for having a lot of love for Roseanne, because I'm pretty sure the true romance guys are going to come out with some Tammy comment and shit on my parade. So, um, I put it lower just to save face. But I, I watched a ton of Roseanne. Um, I feel like that was my family back in the day. My mom was so much like that. Um, she uh, she I, she was so reminiscent of my mom that I was like, man, I wish that my mom was as cool as Roseanne. But I, I think that I, I I definitely connected with the daughters and the characters a lot. So John freaking Goodman. He I mean, their their relationship was hilarious. Their marriage was um, they they didn't take it too seriously. But when they but, got serious, it was different than when you tried to get serious, like on whatever, like on a full house or on some of these other shows where it just kind of just felt like, oh, the, you know, it's the PSA time and it's cheesy. Like when, when Roseanne got serious and dealt with serious issues, it was like, you took it serious. It wasn't cheesy. It was for me, something that resonated more than some, a lot of other sitcoms were able to pull off. I think part of it was like the authenticity of it coming from the mind of Roseanne, where a lot of other shows that kind of try to represent similar cultures or similar lifestyles, you can tell it wasn't coming from someone who maybe lived that lifestyle, where Roseanne felt that way. It felt like, okay, these are people that this is that are real. They're unlike anyone else in TV, really. They don't have the... You know, they, they're blunt, they're brash, and I'm actually growing up, I wasn't allowed to watch Roseanne, it wasn't until later until I watched it. But, uh, uh, Mike, Even how they dealt with the, the cast change was kind of clever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Mike or Steve, any thoughts on Roseanne? Go ahead, Mike. I, I just... Oh, God. <laughs> yes, John Goodman was amazing, but... Honestly, the only thing I can really praise this show for is basically... Cultivating Johnny Galecki's humor and propelling him to the Big Bang Theory. That's because you weren't a middle class little white girl growing up in a family like this no, that was thought a, farts were funny mind. and talked about dirty stuff at yeah. the dinner table and ate a lot of Wonder Bread and my mom cut my hair with a floby. Okay, so. So well, does that, that mean could've... you have Wonder He Man as well? That's obviously very specific. <laughs> Why did you have those things exactly happen to you? <laughs> is your no, mom actually Roseanne Barr? Or psychological analysis of Amanda. This episode's going on too long as it is. Uh, Steve, any thoughts on Roseanne? Um, it really wasn't my favorite show. Like, it was one of those shows that if it was on, I'd watch it. But the only thing that was, I, I don't know, Roseanne's voice was grating on me. I couldn't really watch it all that much. Um, John Goodman's about the only saving grace for him for me in the entire show so i mean i can see why it's on the list but i i personally didn't vote for it you want to know the really funny thing about roseanne when it comes to this show and her is that she is now where she was on investigation discovery doing a show called momsters where they profile psychotic mothers (laughs) (laughs) i can't believe that's a thing that scares me Alrighty, uh dj any thoughts on roseanne uh, this show is pretty easy to break down uh, objectively. It, it you know it works when John Goodman's there, and when he's not, it doesn't work. <laughs> I mean, and and to Roseanne's credit, a lo- lover or a hater, uh, this is a this show was groundbreaking for a female comedian to lead a show for this long on AB. It was ABC, I, I believe. So yeah, yeah, ABC. So yeah, it's 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 a groundbreaking show. It wasn't one of my favorite shows, but. 
it did introduce me to, to as everybody said, the, the the wonderful John Goodman. And I thought Roseanne came off as actually charming when she was doing scenes with him. It's just like, you know, which you gotta understand how good John Goodman is. He made Roseanne Barr charming. <laughs> much, much different than those scenes that she had with Tom Arnold. Exactly. <laughs> Actually, it's going to be quite fitting with the next show we talk about. It's almost the perfect placement, really. 38. As mentioned, I think this is the perfect placement for this show because it actually was just talked about. As in coming in next, we have Married with Children. It was on Ooh. 11 list as with 739 points, as highest ranked as number three by none other than DJ. So, DJ, I'm just going to let you carry it away here. Roseanne versus Married with Children. I'm guessing you're going Married with Children. Well, I, I told you Mystery Science Theater kind of... Uh, <laughs> Uh, formulated a lot of my comedy and my humor anyway and uh, uh, Married with Children is another one and the thing about Married with Children is it completely still holds up <laughs> I was watching it yesterday and it's the jokes are still just as funny Ed O'Neill playing who if you know Ed O'Neill off camera he's doing a, a magnificent acting job here because he's this schlubby guy and Ed O'Neill is like the most classiest like like aristocratic type of person you've ever met but on this show he's like essentially this schlub of a dude who can't catch a break whose wife hates him whose daughter's an idiot whose son's a, a perverted weasel and you love them and the greatest episodes of the show aren't just them fighting it's them dealing with another family and them joining together to get back at that family. That's the, the, the stuck in traffic scene, the at the park with six scene. I, everything about Mary with Children to me is just funny. I mean, and it's, it, you, you're talking about the honeymooners where it's essentially uh, Ralph and, uh, and his wife and they're just yelling at each other. And this is the same thing. Peg will give as good as she gets, maybe more so. And it, it's just like such a funny show. Ed O'Neill at the height of his powers. And when I see my modern family, he's funny. But, man, he brought me to tears. Still does. what your little ruler says. I've been a seven since I graduated from high school. Well, these are sevens. The box says nine because, well, uh... Look, lady, you're a nine. I can accept it. Why can't you? You're very fresh. No, ma'am, that's impossible. Because for the last hour, I've been trying to squeeze your foot into a shoe when I really should have been easing them into the box. So no, I'd say I'm anything but fresh. By the way, you want to tell John Henry over there to give the $100 pumps a rest? Your ad says courteous service. But that's not my ad, ma'am. That's the former owner's. He was killed, tragically, on this very spot when a size 9 exploded in his face. Come on, Arnold. We're leaving. I want a balloon. You've already got one. I, I still remember that same episode where he can't remember the name of the damn song, and he's in the line at a music store, and this guy can recognize every song everybody gives him, but when Ed O'Neill goes, mm -hmm, mm him, never heard of it. <laughs> just can't catch a break he's the grown up version of Charlie Brown married to uh, the wife of the guy who gave you Sons of Anarchy so yes great great show <laughs> and uh, Futurama as well uh, yeah. Kevin I know you already mentioned this but uh, ironically talking Roseanne and married with children are you on the under, other end of this conversation regarding where, where Roseanne and married with children are falling 
Yeah, there's no way Married with Children's better than Roseanne. Come on oh, now. <laughs> um, John mind? Goodman versus Ed O'Neill. I'll take John Goodman every single time you give me that option. No, man. Um, uh, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I hated Married with Children growing up, and I just couldn't watch it. So uh, maybe I need to revisit it if it holds up as well as DJ says, but I just can't picture it somehow being ranked higher than Roseanne. What part did you hate? If I can... every, Everything. Like like what? He wasn't I, a fan I didn't of the find... dogs. The dogs are annoying. Yeah, no, I, I just didn't find the jokes funny, and I was I just found it more off-putting and crude, and I just didn't enjoy it. That's that's me as a younger person. Like I said, I haven't seen any of these episodes since the nineteen ninety early nineties. So maybe if I revisit it, I'll have a different opinion. Steve, you had this at sixty-eight. So what are your thoughts seeing it here? Um, I'm glad that it made the list. It's one of those shows that I remember watching uh, when I was younger. I, it, albeit it's not appropriate for you know a kid to watch anyway, but um, it it kind of was groundbreaking in a sense because this was like one of the things that put Fox on the uh, on the radar. This yeah. was and the thing that put Fox this was on it. the map. Well, and that's show. what I'm saying. Like you had this, show. and then you had the Simpsons shortly thereafter. So yeah. I mean, between the two, that's pretty much why Fox is what it is today. And it the fact that it, it kind of pushed the limits on everything and it was kind of risque at the time and uh, it, it, it you know and everything that DJ said on it I mean it's it's just it, it's a great show I, I I would much rather watch this than watch Roseanne definitely <laughs> absolutely Mike so you uh, it was not on your list but are you okay with it falling here at number thirty no, eight wasn't on my list I I, I don't know. Again, a lot of the shows that I've you know tried to put on my list and whatever else, as I've said, some of these shows I barely remember. I remember Married with Children. I remember all the different things. I remember the fights with the with the Darcys, both sets of the couple of the Darcys. Because, let's face it, see, DJ, maybe you can answer this. Mm. Is it just me, or are the Darcys essentially like Van Halen? You're either a Steve guy or a oh, Jefferson guy or I you're like, either a Sammy guy. Okay. <laughs> Jefferson has his, his, Jefferson has one of my favorite lines of the series, which is gold thou art my master command me, which is a great line. But uh, I think I was always a Steve guy because I think he, Jefferson was kind of Al's friend where Steve and Al did not like each other they at all. Full on nemesis, yeah. <laughs> nemesis. Jefferson and Al kind of they were pick at each other, but they were more friendly than, than than Steve was. So yeah, I'm more of a Steve guy because when Al is dealing with an antagonist is when he's at his best, I think, oh, or his worst actually. <laughs> so. I think the coolest things about Married with Children for me is when they eventually had to go out and either see Al's family or Peggy's family. Yes, yes. <laughs> Just, just see the the overall <laughs> origins of where they both came from. Where Al's this great football legend in, <laughs> in his own mind. Own mind. <laughs> it's, it's. I'm sorry. I I know this, this might be. I'm in the you know outlier here, but the this show is just. I'm telling you, watch it now. I I, I watched the episode where uh, it's him and Griff at the shoe store. The whole episode's at the shoe store. And I'm riveted. It's just so funny. And it's it, it's. You're right. It's crude jokes, but it's like. <laughs> Crude in a uh, crude in a clever sort of way. It's just I don't know. It doesn't work for me. I don't. I don't. I don't understand. Amanda, um, any thoughts on Married with Children? I definitely don't think I would put it above Roseanne, but maybe just directly underneath it. I, I've seen this in um, rerun form, obviously, 
I had fun with it. The only thing that made me mad was, is that Christina Applegate, the daughter? Yeah. She's yeah. a total tard, and I was like, I'm never going to be like this idiot broad when I get <laughs> Yeah, that was half, half of her jokes are, that I'm, a, I'm, I'm stupid <laughs> jokes. Yeah, but I, I thought that um, the mom was hilarious. Yeah, I I, I kind of fall like in between DJ and and Kevin. Like when I watched it in like middle school, I loved it because it was like that perfect sense of humor for me. I've I've seen it a f- not recently, but a lot in the last few years. I watched a few rerun episodes. It would it would show up in the in the morning when I was waking up, like on TBS early in the morning. And sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't. Watching some of the episodes like in the later seasons, I do feel like it it, it became too in on its own jokes a lot. Like it like uh. You know, it would like legitimately like flush the toilet, and there would be like standing ovations from people. And I'm like, okay, let's. <laughs> I need something more. <laughs> but uh, I don't. I, it definitely has its place, as as Steve mentioned. It did like set the tone for the Fox network it, very much. It was like that was kind of what set what you expected when you went and got a Fox comedy for a very long time. And you saw a lot of copycat shows like Happily Ever After on WB oh. back in the day, which so tried to do the same thing with the original writers and things like that. So I, I would, too, I like, uh, prefer Roseanne over Married with Children, but I think it's kind of fitting that they're both back-to-back here. So, All right, well, for our next entry in the countdown, we are once again keeping it in the family. 37. Coming in at number 37, I'm saying we're keeping in the family because at number 50, we had Boy Meets World. At number 37, we are having The Wonder Years with (laughs) 752 points. It was on 13 lists, highest ranked as number 11 by none other than Kevin Optimus Solo. So, Kevin, it seems fitting to start with you here. I am certainly know that you're happy that it's beating Boy Meets World. Are you a little uh, perturbed that it's... Well, I guess you're not emotional about it, but what are your thoughts on seeing it fall here at number uh, 37? Well, I mean, I'm not... I'm not... I'm not upset with it falling here in the top 50. I'm actually kind of happy that it's up here. Definitely, obviously, voice my opinions in the Boy Meets World versus Wonder Years Facebook thread post or whatever you want to call it. But uh, for the record, like I said, this is not something that's nostalgia. This is not something I grew up with. This is not something I watched as a kid. I did not watch this until I was like 27, 28 years old. And I haven't seen every single episode because I I missed out on a little bit towards the end. But I've seen probably, I'd say, like 75% of it. And this show is is good for a bunch of different reasons. But the thing I probably like most about, number one, is how it kind of captures and is almost like a scrapbook for the era that it's depicting and how it does it in a way that doesn't feel shoehorned in. It doesn't feel like it's force-feeding you. It's just like a natural illustration of... Americana during that time period in you know a location like that it deals with some pretty heavy uh, subjects who you know doesn't know about Winnie and and that whole storyline but it also dealt with some serious stuff so I just like the tone I liked the actors in it I loved the dynamic between like the relationship between father or between husband and wife the relationship between father and son the relationship between him and his brother the everything the relationship between him and his friends at school him and his first girlfriend like there's so many maybe you have to be I don't know maybe it resonates more for a male audience i don't know but watching it in retrospect it just kind of took me back to a time and there was a lot i could relate to and i just think it's it's if you 
save that show for posterity. It's something that is is valuable for more than just the the relationships and the drama, but also for what it kind of shows about that time period in, in American history. Amanda, you actually were not far far off on this. You had this at thirty one, so you're you know right within the ballpark. Thoughts on Wonder Years? So I shouldn't have gone after Kevin because he said everything that was cool <laughs> and awesome about it. But uh, <laughs> I think that. Uh, it's definitely deserving of the top 50. I think it's it definitely spawned a, a lot of of other shows like Boy Meets World and, and all that good stuff that we already touched on. Um, like Kevin said, I, I think that it covered some, some pretty heavy topics, but definitely did a, a really great job of showcasing a, a different um, time period and in, in what society was like then. I thought that was always super interesting. Did I, I think I caught this on the Nick at Night. Is that is that where it was? Probably it was Nick and I TV Land. It wasn't a combo combo of both, I believe. I think that it it was definitely iconic and enjoyable, and it should still hold up basically because of what Kevin said. It's focusing on that era and and uh, does a super good job of it. Yeah, I mean it it was definitely popular. It was in the Nielsen Top Thirty for four out of six seasons. It was nominated for uh, best comedy series only after airing the first six episodes. So it you know, hit a claim really early on, and Fred Savage was the youngest actor ever nominated for a standing lead actor for a comedy series, which obviously led to his amazing career after the Wonder Years. Not so much. Uh, <laughs> it's another one of those, though. That it's a giant kind of, mole. It, it also <laughs> blends the, the genres a little bit, because I can see just as many people saying that it's a comedy as saying it's a drama. Yeah, I, like, it's funny, because I don't consider, I maybe it's just me, but I never really considered the one of years a, a drama, or a comedy. I always considered it more drama, but... Me too. Uh, yeah. Uh, DJ, any thoughts on the Wonder Years? I, uh, I'm kind of, I'm going to be biased here, because I kind of grew up, uh, when this show was on, I was kind of the same age uh that Fred Savage was and I just it it was one of the first shows that I I had seen that kind of dealt with kid stuff in a, an adult manner I guess and um I I find it funny I'm I'm like relate I'm like a you know a dumb black kid from Miami Florida so if I'm relating to this little white kid from the 60s having the same kind of problems i did it was just it kind of related to me still and we're completely two different people i i i love this show i mean i wouldn't have it as high as this because there's so as i've gotten older i've seen such better shows but i it's, it's essentially a part of my childhood nostalgia wise and the child performances is going to probably be overlooked fred savage was i mean we always crap about oh god jake Lloyd, you know you get child actors on this show that are hitting moments comedically and dramatically that are really, really veteran-like. And uh, if you rewatch it, it's just so good. If you watch, like I said, we're talking about we're comparing it to Boy Meets World again. It's, it's that's like a traditional, you know, studio audience kind of sitcom. This was like a, again watching a mini movie. Every episode was shot like a film almost not like a sitcom which i i, I really appreciated and it, it made me it relate to me more i didn't feel artificial to me it felt like i was watching somebody's experiences and their experiences were like mine so i i love the one years so you know what else is also filmed like a movie is supernatural <laughs> and it's realistic too uh, and it's realistic for it to be back there in the 90s for the countdown I just killed a demon right before I came on the front <laughs> sounds like, you went to the, it sounds like right a now. euphemism for going to the bathroom when we were talking about Boy Meets World I had mentioned about the Wonder Years and I wasn't sure exactly when it was on or whatever and I didn't, I've looked it up since then 
Uh, it ran from 88 to 93, and the way that the show is supposed to be is it takes place 20 years before the start. So basically, the, the actual content of the show is 68 to 73, or whatever it is. Um, you know, and I, I don't know. I've tried recently watching. I watched the first six episodes. I don't know how anybody can call this a comedy. It's a drama. I don't know how anyone. Dramedy. I just don't know how anyone can call this a comedy. The first episode starts off with, with Winnie's brother being, you know, killed over in Vietnam. That's not funny to me. I hope not. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I, well, I think too. There, there are. You know, it's usually with awards it comes. If you have any sort of comedy, you're going to be put in the comedy category. But also, I think sometimes great drama is, or great comedy is complemented through great drama. So it's it's possible to have both. But I think that's a different conversation for another day. And so let's well, move on to the next in the countdown. Well, before we do, the one thing I will say about the Wonder Years. Thank God I never had a father like that because that guy scared the crap out of me, and he still does. Every role that Dan Loria plays in... Scary. Even in the spirit. (laughs) Yeah, even in the spirit. That's right. (laughs) All right, anything else on the Wonder Years before we move on? All righty. Well, let's move on to the next in the countdown. 36. Well, we haven't, this episode, got a lot of modern comedies, unlike last week. We're getting kind of another one here, though this one's currently no longer on the air. It just finished its most, or its last season uh, not too long ago. Coming in at number 36, we have Parks and Recreation uh, with 777 points. It was on 13 lists, as highest ranked as number two by an individual. Uh, actually, DJ, let's start with you here because you actually had it at 33, so not that far off where it's falling. Thoughts on Parks and Recreation? Um, this is another one where I was like, I, I had low expectations because. Oh, they're going to try and make a show after The Office. It's not going to be as good as The Office. Oh, crap. It's even better to me, I think, than The American Office. uh, Because it just took a lot of these characters that I didn't think I would like, and I ended up loving them. Andy Dwyer comes to mind, who is now Star-Lord, for crying out loud. You won the award for Best Man. Full disclosure, I voted for Ryan Gosling, but you came in a close second. Now, you've never been married, so you didn't get your own bachelor party, but let's look ahead. The year is 2018. America is thriving under President Nick Cannon, and tomorrow, Chris Traeger's getting married. Who's the lucky lady? Maybe she's an upbeat gal who's nuts about fitness. Maybe she owns a juice bar in Snurling. Maybe it's April. Maybe I die, skydiving explosion, and then you go marry April. And it makes me sad, but if she's gonna be with somebody, I'd like it to be you. Strange, but sweet. Only, I didn't really die, I was faking it. And I come back. I spy on you from my red Corvette. I'm planning to kick your ass, but I see how happy you make her. And I have to walk away. I have to. And I do. Slowly. In a rainstorm. Okay, this isn't really in the spirit of what we're trying to do. But as time goes by, it eats away at me. You're out living it up with my wife. And I'm alone. In a cave. Training. Anyone else want to chime in? I thought you were my friend. I thought you were my friend. At first, it just seemed like it was going to be a a vehicle for Amy Poehler in her comedy, but then all these other characters, Aziz Ansari, Nick Offerman, who I never even heard of before this, and he, I saw Sin City, I, even, I still didn't know who the hell Nick Offerman was, and now I he, I can't get enough of Nick Offerman. Uh, I forget the name of the, the lady that works in the place with, uh, 
um, what's her name? Um, uh, Quin- Quincy Jones's daughter, Rashida Jones. Uh, all, all these kids, Rob Lowe. I just, it's just a very, very good show, and it kind of went in a way, in a place where I think The Office never did really until maybe the final season. Parks and Recreations, they got all these people from different walks of life with different humors that kind of really got each other and accepted each other and were a family for a lot of the the show. The Office, they're always kind of antagonistic with each other until the end. You know, uh, Dwight and and, and, uh, uh, Krasinski and Pam, they didn't really like each other. Really, They they would pick on each other. But on Parks and Recreations, Aziz Ansari's character and, 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 and Leslie Nope. And Aubrey Plaza and and all of them, they they they're a family throughout. Even Nick Offerman, who's very he's like the greatest character on the show. Uh, <laughs> Loves meat. Uh, <laughs> I love yeah, I love bacon, love breakfast. Uh, he, they when it, stuff went down, Nick Offerman was there for you. This and, and it took a while for Michael Schur, I think, to uh, get that right. I think, and I and think in the office was essentially copying the uh, British office. But on Parks and Recreation, it was a lot, of, a lot more camaraderie, I thought, that I appreciated. Yeah, I think that's, like, the, the thing I noticed most about Parks and Recreation. It's just it's just a positive show, and, like, the, yeah. the people in it are, are good people. I mean, I love The Office. I probably, you know, yeah. personally I love it, too. Love, it, it... love The Office more, but I, I don't I, – I, one thing I would say with Parks, though, it doesn't have a bad season, and Office unfortunately does. Similar to, you know, The Office, I think it took a little bit long to kind of find itself. You know, the first season was a little shaky, but I feel like, you know, season two, season three, especially when Adam Scott and Rob Lowe show up, it, like, it goes off and it sails. And, the, and all these different, like you mentioned, the, there's, the characters are so different, but they so work with one another. Uh, a lot of, you know, and it's just their ability to find hilarity in the weirdest things, like little Sebastian or, or stuff oh, like that. Or like. Do the, 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 the alternate ego of Nick Offerman's character. <laughs> Sam Elliott, yeah, Sam Elliott, it, that's amazing, <laughs> using him in such a fun way. You know, it's actually a show that when we talk, started talking about doing this countdown, it was one that, you know, was on my radar, I wanted to watch. I finally sat down, okay, I'm going to watch it. And I went through the entire seven seasons in like a month, if that. It, it, I ended up loving the show. It's and I kind of like have a hole in my heart now since I am now done with it and finished the last episode and uh, the season finale is is great it just puts a, a great spin on it and I love what they did with the last season like skipping ahead a couple of years and just you know it was it, for no reason really I mean but it just it was just funny what they for added. a John Ham joke is essentially yeah. what they did it for. <laughs> pretty much pretty much but yeah so I'm I'm, I'm glad it's here at number at number thirty six so I'm uh, I'm happy with it but alrighty let's move on to the next in the countdown. 35. Alrighty, coming in at number 35, we are getting a lot of like 80s and 90s comedies this episode, and that's continuing here. As with number 35, we have Frasier with 782 points on 13 lists, as highest ranked as number two by Kevin Dillon. And actually, he was kind enough to give us a clip of his thoughts on Frasier and why he ranked it at number two. Hello, Geekcast Radio panelists and listeners, uh, this is Kevin here from www.smallscreensaver.blogspot.ie and www.unappreciatedscholars.com. Um, I was asked to speak to you today because I had Frasier on number two on my list of the 100 greatest shows of all time, and I just wanted to tell you why. Um, in the 90s, uh, I was in school, everybody watched Friends, and... Um, Frasier was seen as an old person's show, which was the one I watched. I didn't watch Friends until well into its 
you know, it's third or fourth time on reruns. But I can understand why people thought it was an older person show because it wasn't very often, and it still isn't very often, that you get a show centered around a, a middle-aged divorcee uh, living with his living with his dad and stuff like that. So that's why it was so kind of unique to me. As well as that, it was a show that was on every night on what is now Comedy Central at the time in uh, UK and Ireland. It was called the Paramount Channel. So it used to be on every night and I'd watch it with my mother, which is kind of a nice memory for me. Um, in terms of the seasons and the quality of the show, seasons one to seven were flat out just terrific. There was very rarely a dull moment. Um, slight spoiler alert, this was before they decided that uh, Niles and Daphne had to uh, hook up together, which once that happened it ruined kind of one of the, the more interesting dynamics of the show. Um, but like in seasons one to seven, you've got you've got Fraser's many dates, which always ended in failure. Um, as I said, the Niles and Daphne dynamic, which brought about some fantastic comedy. Um, Fraser and Niles being so similar, and their occasional butting heads with their dad Martin. Uh, Perry Gilpin was fantastic as Roz. Uh, she was a great foil for Fraser. They were they were chalk and cheese, but. It, they had the same goals in terms of career and of course you had Eddie, Eddie the dog everybody loves Eddie um, I think of all the 90s comedy shows it's probably aged best due to uh, the set design and the fashion you know when you watch Friends now you're looking at some of Matt LeBlanc's haircuts and you're you know kind of cringing a bit but I think Frasier has, has aged pretty well in that sense uh, the family dynamic was always on point. There was always just that they, they walked that fine line between comedy and drama, and they did both excellently. And the supporting cast, not just like you know Fraser's immediate uh, supporting cast of Niles, Martin, Daphne, and Roz, but like you had Dan Butler as Bulldog, you had um, Gil the food critic, and my personal favourite was Anthony the Pallia as. Uh, Daphne's brother Simon who showed up for a couple of episodes and won a daytime Emmy so those reasons and there are probably far too many more to mention um, I love Frasier I think even though I said that the last couple of seasons did dip the first seven were so good that it kind of uh, negates any of the bad, bad well not bad stuff any of the less good stuff if that makes any sense that came afterwards um, if you've never seen Frasier I you know, you've hardly never seen Frasier but I would recommend going back and, and watching it from scratch because it is absolutely terrific as I said it's aged brilliantly and I want to just thank uh, Dan and the Geekcast Radio for crew for asking me to contribute and I hope you enjoy the rest of the show and I hope to see some of my choices higher up the list as well um, thank you very much Alrighty, well thanks Kevin for that clip. Regarding Frasier, Kevin, let's start with you here because you actually had it ranked at number 30, again, with your powers not being far off where it landed. So what are your thoughts of seeing Frasier fall here at number 35? Um, I think this is a show that if you had done this list in, obviously in the 90s, this show would rank higher. If you did this list 10 years ago, it would rank higher. I think now with, you know, this influx of uh, TV shows that have... uh, 
got a lot of critical acclaim from the last five to six years. It's kind of dropped a little bit. It's not a show that I necessarily watched a lot of or was a big fan, but I was definitely aware of its existence. And, you know, in that time period when Seinfeld and Friends and Mad About You and some of that stuff was real popular, this was always the one that was taking home all the awards. I think five times it won uh, either Golden Globe or an Emmy for Best Comedy. It was, you know, nine out of its 11 years it was ranked, rated in the top, uh, 20 for Nielsen ratings. So, I mean, it was definitely, it was one of those shows that probably all the other comedies were pissed off because every year it seemed to take home the award, no matter what, it was just a, a favorite of the award show people. But Kelsey Grammer was iconic in that time period for that show. And I definitely rated it mostly just based on its credentials and what I remember growing up and as far as how much people talked about it and how well they talked about it. But for me personally, I'm not a huge fan of it, so I'm fine with it being here somewhere in the top 30, 40 range. I think that's fitting. Uh, Mike, any thoughts on Frasier? I love Frasier. Frasier is one of the most successful uh, <laughs> spinoff sitcoms, <laughs> honestly. It really is, because if you think about it, this guy came from Cheers, you know, and he brought his whole cast of characters with him. Uh, including Lilith and, and all those. Um, I actually was marathoning this on Netflix um, for about six months before my mom passed away. We were watching every, we watched every single episode uh, all the way up to about season nine, I think. And we never really got to finish it, but there's just so much to love about this show between John Mahoney as, as the dad, between uh, Jane leaves as, as, as Daphne, uh, you know, Niles and Frazier, their interactions, uh, Frazier and Ross and their interactions. It's just, it's just so funny. And it really lets Kelsey Grammer almost off the hook. Like if you look at him at Cheers, you look at the character of Frazier, he's kind of stifled because he's, he's, he has his moments on Cheers. I'm not saying anything bad about him being on Cheers. He has his moments, but here it's his show. He can do whatever the hell he wants. And it's just amazing. Yeah, I mean, it, I know at the time it was the biggest thing about it was like it was like the smartest TV show ever written. The characters were <laughs> speaking in the vocabulary you did not necessarily see on network TV. So, uh, and like Kevin mentioned, it certainly has a lot of its acclaim. Uh, DJ, fan of Frasier, thoughts on it at all? I was never really a huge fan of Cheers, but I was a big fan of Frasier because Kelsey Grammer is. He's Sideshow Bob. I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> He's, He's also Kelsey. Beast. Yeah, yeah, he's also a beast. All my stars and garters. He's great. I, I love uh, Kelsey Grammer. I didn't, I never even heard of David Hyde Pierce before that show came out, and he's terrific on that show. John Mahoney, as you said before, is great. The show's great. It's just a good. It's just, and, and from I think the problem with Cheers was for me anyway, it's a little bit slower and a little less zanier, I guess. I, I, I maybe I'm missing. They're all drunks at a bar. Yeah, they're all drunks and depressed on a bar. <laughs> yeah. <but> yeah. <laughs> I mean, Frasier just had this hope and optimism to it, more so, I think, than Cheers. I might be misremembering Cheers, but I just, I, I, I was in a good mood after watching Frasier, you know what I'm saying? And I, I really like that show. The most uh, optimistic Cheers ever got was, hey, everybody, Norm! Norm, you know, that's, yeah. That's the too. most optimistic Cheers ever got. <laughs> All right, any other thoughts on Frasier before we move on to the next in the countdown? I think my problem with Frasier was um, I was 
too young and, and it was just over my head. It was too classy and sophisticated <laughs> for my little mind. And it, it was around the same time that I was probably watching a lot of Wings with my mom. Oh. So oh, it is around the same thing. Yeah, just over my head a little bit. Superman yeah. was on. Yeah, no one ever complained Wings <laughs> being over their head. So, so <laughs> only literally, I guess, since they're bad. Yeah. again bad joke. <laughs> All right. Well, let's move on to the next in the countdown because I feel like this is another ep- one that will be one that will certainly be talked about for a variety of reasons. Thirty-four. All right, coming in at number thirty-four, we're going to a land we were once at previously, as we return to the world of Star Trek with Star Trek. The original series coming in at number 34. It was on 12 list as highest ranked as number 6 with 784 points. Uh, Steve, let's start with you here because this was in your top 10. We've had Star Trek, Deep Space Nine, now Star Trek. What are your thoughts of seeing it fall here? Do you think it deserves to be higher just based upon its iconic status when it comes to TV? You know, I I think it should but at the same time, I, I think it shouldn't. There's there's kind of that double-edged sword because it kind of was groundbreaking at the time in the sense that it, it kind of uh, – it was like a a Western in space is how it was kind of written. And then uh, all the sci-fi innovations that have come from people enjoying this show specifically. And then the fact that it spawned 50 years of, of television and film – uh, among other media content. They seem to be gorged. Gorged? On my grain? Kirk, I am going to hold you responsible. There must be thousands of them. Hundreds of thousands. 1,771,561. That's assuming one triple, multiplying with an average litter of 10, producing a new generation every 12 hours over a period of three days. And that's assuming that they got here three days ago and allowing for the amount of grain consumed and the volume of the storage compartment kirk you should have known you are responsible for turning the development project into a total disaster mr barris and i am through being intimidated kirk you have insulted me you have ignored me you you've walked all over me you have abused your authority and you have rejected my requests then this this is a result uh-huh. I am going to hold you responsible, Mr. Barris. And I'll hold you in irons if you don't. Shut the up. cast alone is is very memorable over the decades. Like they're, you know, I mean, Shatner's probably the most memorable out of all of them. But then you get, you know, you get Spock, you get, you know, all all these characters, and they they kind of got to send off into the next generation universe. A lot of them did, or show up in Voyager, or or just you know little bit parts later on. Um, the, at the same token, though, it's so badly dated, it's very hard to watch if you're not a fan of it. And so I feel that while it is groundbreaking, while it is it is a, a definitely a, a top 50 uh, recipient or or at least top 100, it it's not the strongest of the stre- of the Star Trek shows. So in that regard, I I think I'm fine with where it landed. Kevin, I know you're a Star Trek fan, but I know you ranked this on the, like the other end of your top 100. Do you feel this is Star Trek getting rated most, mostly based upon what came after the series? And you think maybe if you were just ranking the series itself, it wouldn't fall nearly, nearly as high? Yeah, I mean, I think this is a 
partial benefit of name recognition and the one that came first and the iconic characters with the Shatner and Spock, et cetera, et cetera. I think if you're going to break it down into which Star Trek shows were better in like a quality standpoint of stories, writing, you know, plots and stuff like that, then I think it falls probably near the bottom actually. And even though I personally rated it above a lot of the other well, all of the other iterations except for one, I think if you were really breaking it down, it would probably come closer to the bottom after even Enterprise, Voyager, etc. Um, I find it interesting. We talked about Deep Space Nine way earlier in the countdown. We were curious if we would see anything else, and uh, you know, we have we haven't heard from any of those other ones, so it's finally coming in here. I don't have a problem with that as long as there's one more uh, that we haven't talked about yet that still shows up. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder if where, where where it falls. That's the question. <laughs> what could you be talking about? <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> Star Trek Enterprise, of course. Why, uh, <laughs> uh, Amanda, any thoughts on Star Trek? Uh, I'm a Picard girl, so <laughs> I, I'm obviously going to rank so. something. <laughs> I'm going to um, rank that a, a little bit lower. Um, as far as Kirk, I'm going to rate Kirk a little bit lower than Picard here. I do love me some Spock, and I think that it, it's it's so iconic, and it, it spawned all of these um, spinoffs and even movies. I, I definitely like the the newer movie iterations better than um, you know the, the dated material that is Kirk and Spock from back in the Disney. I do think that it deserves to be, I would say, in the top 50. So I, I can understand the saying that it spawned off some stuff, but I. I don't think it's as as easy to say that with this one. I, I mean, I think maybe you could say it spawned the next generation, even though it was like two decades later. But I think, whatever, it was like the cornerstone for an entire like. Right, I get that, but I think next generation is really what spawned all the other ones that came after it. Like, I, I, I don't know. It, it's a debate for another day, but I don't disagree with it being here and, and what you're saying. Uh, DJ, any thoughts before we move on to the next in the countdown? Uh, my uh, my stepfather, uh, who's the biggest Trekkie I, I know uh, ingrained in me that Captain Kirk is the baddest man in the galaxy. So, <laughs> but I, I was introduced to Star Trek through Wrath Khan, one of the greatest sequels ever made. So I, I didn't really get into the TV show until I got a little bit older. And I, I it's a kind of a different Kirk from the movies to the TV show. Different Kirk. The, the TV show, he's a little bit more reserved and not as zany as he is in the movie he's not that way in the tape show that much that's his bizarro evil kirk but yeah it's like it's iconic it's groundbreaking an optimistic not apocalyptic future for once uh so yeah i, I understand why it's on this list all right let's move on to our next in the countdown and for our next in the countdown we're actually gonna talk about it in real time 33 for, for for number thirty three, Mike might be upset that it's not number twenty four because coming in at number thirty three, we have twenty four. Uh, it was on thirteen list. Later, Mike. Just say no. It was on thirteen list, seven hundred and eighty eight points. It's highest ranked as number nine, but not, none other than DJ Valentine. So it's fitting, DJ. We ended it with you last time. We'll start with you here. Thoughts on twenty four falling in at thirty three. Never seen a show like this before. Never seen them do this. And I know there's the, they're cheating. They're going to commercial. Uh, yeah, whatever. Shut up. They've, you've never seen a show that counts, like, counts down a day in the life of during a season. Or at least I hadn't at the time. I saw this when I was in, uh, first season when I was in high school. And there's been a, <laughs> I think there was a running joke with my, me and my friends that 
David Palmer was the president of the United States. It wasn't George Bush. It was David Palmer. He was awesome. <laughs> he was doing things that uh, presidents should do. It was, and Jack Bauer. I mean, he. you watch Kingsman. He's now an iconic character that we would never one of the most iconic badasses we've ever seen on television such a and for the show to be very pulpy in its stupidity sometimes because it's not the most brilliant of shows but you've essentially created this character and you drop him in kind of like a john mcclain-esque type uh, person and the format of the show was revolutionary i had never seen a show countdown uh one hour an episode like that the way they did it i thought it was unique and it was great and it was enjoyable and cathartic as hell and uh if if you're a right wing you would really love it because they <laughs> torture and kill terrorists uh without any uh, without any compunction to the uh, geneva convention they don't care about that stuff well, especially jack bauer jack does specifically i don't know about the rest of the cast mm. but jack <laughs> does specific tony almeida the... would kill a terrorist now and then. <laughs> okay yeah yeah tony would but on a whole, the entire cast? No, probably not. I, I think Jack, Tony, and Nina are probably the exceptions oh, there. Nina. Oh, God, this is, Nina. One of the first shows you've seen a, a, a character, spoiler alert, I guess, brutally murder a woman on national television, yeah. and he's the hero. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, Mike, I'm taking you're a fan of 24. Oh, yeah. Absolutely love 24. I don't think it went on too long, but Eight I... Eight seasons. No, I'm saying like okay. <laughs> yes, I know it's it, technically it's nine seasons if you count uh, Live Another Day, but um, yeah, it did go on eight seasons. But I'm saying that with the way the show's format was, it in a good way it felt like it was longer than what it actually was. So I'm saying the eight seasons, nine seasons, didn't really feel like you know. It wasn't a blink, you'll miss it kind of thing, but it was like, hey, we're following along, and this is high action, and this is, hey, oh, hey, look, there's Spock before he was Spock, mm-hmm. you know, because in the first you know, few seasons, Zachary Quinto was this idiot tech guy. Um, I, I love 24 for Kiefer Sutherland alone. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Jack Bauer is easily one of the most badass action stars of this of this last couple of decades um yeah i actually it's i have a f- kind of funny story with 24 i started watching it late and this was before it was on like netflix streaming was a thing and i had a you know back when blockbuster still existed and uh we started renting it from blockbuster and i had this deal where you know i could basically rent something i paid a flea and i could rent as many things per day as i wanted and we like my wife and i uh, basically went through this entire series bit by bit so much so that i would like show up to blockbuster multiple times a day that was like down the street just to get the next disc so like i basically got labeled the 24 guy for how fast we went through the series uh, i guess it shows you how much lively our lives are i guess but uh the, i'll disagree with mike in the sense that i do think it did go on too long it got to the point it got a little bit too predictable you it had a formula to it where you're like okay who's the traitor this season and it, you know when you're like dropping nuclear bombs every other episode to try to it, it got a little too crazy i think by by the end you know seventh eighth season were, were a little much but at its height it was a fun action-packed thrill ride it and it again like dj mentioned the format of it was completely unique doing it in real time with 24 hours and using the different uh, uh panel of storytelling and 
yeah, there were some contrivances with that. I mean, it basically was L.A. with no traffic somehow, but, you know. Uh, but I think it also came around at, at a good time, too, when it, within that time period. So, uh, and like Mike mentioned, Jack Bauer is a badass, and he's a fun character. So, And when you have a character, we talk about James Bond and, and Jason Bourne. Uh, those guys also have kind of, eh, I don't say shallow plots, but they're such they do such awesome things it kind of distracts you from how mediocre this this <laughs> the plot is uh and jack bauer did that as well i mean the, the season could suck but as long as jack bauer was killing people you were kind of you're still enjoying it so yeah all righty any other thoughts on 24 before we move on to the next in the countdown okay well let's move into our next in the list and again we're getting into an area we once got before, and I think it's kind of it's going to be kind of a fun one-two hit with these next two entries. Thirty-two. We've had one late-night talk show so far with Johnny Carson. We're getting our second late-night talk show at number thirty-two, as we have the Late Show with David Letterman. It was on twelve lists, seven hundred and ninety-one points, as highest ranked as number. 14. Uh, Mike, actually, I'll start with you here because you had this ranked at 56. I know you're a huge Johnny Carson fan. So what do you think of the fact that David Letterman is falling higher on the count than down than Johnny Carson? It's somewhat of a travesty, but it's not as much as a travesty as if Conan comes after this. I like David Letterman. I think what he did with The Late Show was really interesting. He had guests on to promote stuff, but he also did some really, really good comedy. You look at some of those top ten lists in the in the early to mid nineties, they're just comedy gold. Um, the way he carried himself, the way, you know, he held with the guests, his monologue. Probably the only late night comedian I can actually sit there and enjoy a monologue from outside of Johnny Carson. Uh is just so good. Having it fall here, I, I think it's alright. Like I said, as long as Conan doesn't show up after this, I'm fine. <laughs> uh, Kevin or Amanda, any thoughts on David Letterman? I mean, I, I didn't have any room in my top 100 for the the late night shows, um, just because I was trying to stuff so many other primetime shows in there. But I, I don't know. I, I don't have a problem with it being on there. I do have a problem with it being higher than Johnny Carson, though. Yeah. See, I, I also left all the uh, the late night shows off. I just I just couldn't couldn't. Uh... I just couldn't fit them in either. I mean, I could have put them on, but it would have taken up like seven of my spots because then I would have had to put like all the ones that I like on there. And if I was going to put one on, it would have been Johnny Carson. And then it probably would have been a drop off to something like Conan or like, uh, or Jimmy Fallon or something like that afterwards. See, I've, I've never been a fan of Letterman. See, I, I love Letterman. I think his comedic style is some, is extremely unique and unlike any other comedy out there. And I think he brought a new type of, kind of awkward or I guess alternative to use a, a like a cliche word to late night talk shows. I actually feel his show was better than Johnny Carson's and yeah, Carson's impact is probably greater on the, in the world of comedy, but I always felt that Letterman's overall monologues his comedic style. He, he took more risks. He did a lot of new different things where Carson just kind of had his thing and he, and he did it really well. But uh, Steve, any thoughts on the David Letterman show falling here at number 32? I'm not really a fan of Letterman. I, for me, I would much rather watch like Jimmy Fallon or somebody like that. I, I, I don't know. I, I like a lot of the other 
late night talk hosts more than some of these older veterans because not saying that they didn't pave the way or that they don't deserve to be here. I just don't prefer to watch them. I would much rather watch any of the ones that are on now, but that's that's about my opinion on it. Uh, DJ, any thoughts on the late night with David uh, with late night with David Letterman falling here at thirty two? Uh, you could kind of tell, like when Leno went off the air, uh, he won the ratings, but Letterman was way more respected because he's kind of like a comedian's comedian. And when I watch talk shows like this, I kind of uh, kind of talk show hosts I like are the ones that have who are fast, smart, and have control. And Carson probably is the best when it comes to all, having all three of those things. But Letterman's right there because if some when a guest does something that's going against what the host wants to do, you see Fallon panic or, you know, I mean, I'm not against Fallon. Fallon does some very funny stuff, but he's not as quick on his feet as Letterman is. The guy's dealt with uh, crazy Crispin Glover, for Christ's sake, uh, Madonna, uh, uh, Drew Barrymore, flashing Joaquin Phoenix, uh, and he's ju- he's never he never doesn't seem like he has a plan <laughs> to get out of these situations. Conan, for me, I know uh, we found out here that Conan's not that high. I think Conan's also on that list of he's very quick to not lose control of the show. <laughs> but Letterman and, and Carson, I think, were the best at it. Where I. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm just going to see how's Dave going to get out of this one. Oh, there he, that's how he does it. He never, he's never off guard by any of the stuff. And I just, I'm not, a, I'm not a huge talk show host person, uh, but I, I know Letterman is, he's iconic. He, you can't deny him. Definitely, it's actually going to be fitting as we're getting into our next in the countdown at number thirty-one. Thirty-one. All right, I say it's fitting because we had David Letterman at at 32, and at 31, we were having the guy that replaced him, as in the Colbert Report, coming in at number 32 with 791 points. It only beat David Letterman by three points. It was on 12 lists. It was actually on fewer lists than uh, – sorry, it was on 13 lists. So it was on more lists than David Letterman, as highest ranked as number four. I think I'll actually start with this one because I am – you know, the Colbert Report, Daily Show, definitely go hand-in-hand. I am a, a lover of the Colbert Report. I, I remember when, when it started as like a spoof commercial that landed up ended up becoming a show. Watching it and wondering how is this show going to last with this character, and it ended up like lasting for you know nine years. And such a smartly written show. It, we talked about late nights, but I feel it's in separate category because it's not necessarily late night comedy per se as it deals with a lot with politics and things of that nature so i'm actually really happy that it fell here but uh steve i know you also have it on your list so any thoughts on the colbert report i don't know i just really enjoyed his show him and john stewart i i believe are probably the best at all of the kind of newsy like uh, weird you know he he's kind of got that nice touch of of some of the stuff that john stewart has and like some of the letterman stuff and some of the like he kind of has like different things he dips into and and i think it kind of plays out well for him Uh, mike any thoughts on the colbert report falling here i actually had to go back and watch this after i saw him guest on a law and order svu episode as one of the (laughs) baddest one of the one of the most interesting villains on that show um i like him i think he's really funny i think he's doing a bang-up job uh, on the late show now i don't want to say he necessarily replaced david letterman because dave really just retired and they needed to find somebody new and 
I'm just glad it wasn't another Saturday Night Live reject. Yes, I'm looking at you, Seth Myers. <laughs> Who will not be on this list. <laughs> Please, if Seth Myers is higher than this, then we need, you know... It's in counseling. I, for, I, I, I forget who posted it. Some somebody posted about Arrow. You know, Arrow not being in the top fifty. You have failed this list. If 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 Seth Myers gets above uh, uh, Stephen Colbert here, yeah, we really need to seriously rethink this. Uh, Amanda, any thoughts on the Colbert report? I freaking hate this show. <laughs> I'm so bored with it. I don't care what he has to say. If I want to watch the news, I'm just going to watch the freaking news. I don't need to hear your um, so-called funny commentary about it, and I'll make my own opinion. Thanks. <laughs> so that's... <laughs> Jeez. Jeez. <laughs> Harsh. She's a Seth Myers. But what do you really think? <laughs> uh, Kevin, any not... thoughts on the Colbert Report? I mean, I think the Colbert Report and The Daily Show and Real Time with Bill Maher, even though that he can piss me off more times than not. But uh, I, I think all those shows are good for what they're pointing out. And even though they're doing it with a funny take, they're also still calling an orange and orange and, you know, <laughs> calling out politicians for being stupid. And I, I think there's a place for that. And that's refreshing compared to the indoctrinated views that we get from the the political channels. Um, but I, like I said, I just didn't have any room for him on my list, but uh, yeah, I would, I, I would put this in this. I would probably put daily show higher than the Colbert Colbert. I can't talk report. <laughs> uh, DJ, I know you said you weren't a fan of like late night talk shows. I don't know if that considers that of Colbert report. Cause I guess it's technically a talk show, but uh, any thoughts on it here? It's one of the, I mean, I, I might be forgetting maybe Jiminy Glick, I guess is one of the few talk shows that's, Hosted by a character, not a, <laughs> not an actual. I mean, Stephen Colbert is an actual person, but he's essentially playing a big middle finger to the Republican Party for the entire show. So, yeah, I, I give it credit for that. Um, I watched The Daily Show more for its political commentary than its guests. Usually, I mean, sometimes I watch the guests though. Yeah. Same thing with the Colbert Report. I would, if I was watching it, I'd just watch it for what they're saying about politics. And Stephen Colbert, uh, when he, I was heard, I heard he was replacing or taking over for David Letterman after he left or retired. I was like, uh, it's interesting, but it's undeniable. The guy is very, very smart. So, and sm brains, like I told you, smart, fat, smart, fast is in control. And if you ever, if you have any doubt of how in control Stephen Colbert can be, watch him deal with Bill Maher that he just had on uh, maybe two days ago. And Bill Maher, who is essentially created to anger people, <laughs> I mean, who's also very smart, he's giving it right. I mean, he doesn't pull any punches, and Colbert hangs with him and outdoes him just as well. So he's 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 a, he's a very smart individual. The show itself was, I, I don't want to say groundbreaking. It was just very very different in what that you were seeing on TV. So yeah, I'm I'm not a humongous fan of Colbert Report. I was more a Daily Show guy, but I, I again I can respect it. And it was nominated for multiple Emmys. It actually broke the Daily Show's uh, streak for winning Outstanding Variety yeah. Series. It, you know, <laughs> ironically, the student became the master in that in 2013. So every year it was out, it was nominated for an Emmy and won Peabody's as well. And you know, Stephen Colbert himself won a lot of accolades. And again, we talked about with uh, Keen Peel how uh, 
you know, Luther showed up in the correspondence dinner. I mean, Colbert did a thing in front of Congress for something. I forget what it was. And, and oh, yeah, I, I do rep- think he's been a great replacement for, for Letterman. And, and to me, it took him like three episodes to have one of the best interviews on TV, period, when he, when he interviewed Joe Biden. And it was just it was fantastic. And I recommend it. It's nothing political whatsoever. It's just it's actually just a really great conversation that you would not expect in a late night talk show. At least, you know, usually it's just it's you know, if you look at Jimmy Fallon and Stephen Colbert, it's like, oh, that's the adult show. And that's the one for children. So. Yes. <laughs> NBC getting no love today. <laughs> Not really. Eh? Well, well, we'll see if that changes when we move into number 30 on the list. 30. Well, we're getting to our second sketch comedy show of the uh, of of the episode but this is actually a classic sketch comedy show and it's our second british show of of the episode too and there's always been like one episode per show that i'm like wow i did not expect that to be on the on, on the countdown and that's it for this this is it for this portion of the countdown because at number 30 we have monty python's flying circus it was only on 10 lists, but it, we received 805 points, so it's the first show to break the 800-point barrier. It was highest ranked as number three. I was not expecting to see a show of this nature fall on the countdown. My first in, uh, experience with this show was, I think, seeing late-night infomercials on Comedy Central telling me to buy the, buy the videos of it. But, DJ, any thoughts on Money Python's Flying Circus? Uh, I'm, I'm I'm very fortunate. I'm I've been on the show that like three of my, and I I must I might have forgotten where to put this, and I I hate myself. My Monty Python, Mystery Science Theater, and Married with Children, those are like stuff that introduced me to comedy essentially. So uh, nobody expects the Spanish Inquisition. Uh, I mean, it's the, the Monty Python used to come on TNT every. God, every night at seven o'clock, and I would just sit there, eat my dinner, and watch it <laughs> as a little kid. <laughs> my grandmother would sit me down, eat your dinner, and I just watch Monty Python's Flying Circus. It's it's a it's a show that I don't think would work now. It is ins- non sequitur insane. It's good for ADD because it goes everywhere and everywhere and anywhere. One of the crossbeams has gone out of skew on the treadle. But what on earth does that mean? I don't know. Mr. Wentworth just told me to come in here and say that there was trouble at the mill, that's all. I didn't expect a kind of Spanish Inquisition. (laughs) Nobody expects the Spanish Inquisition. Our chief weapon is surprise. Surprise and fear. Fear and surprise. Our two weapons are fear and surprise and ruthless efficiency. Our three weapons are fear and surprise and ruthless efficiency and an almost fanatical devotion to the Pope. Our four. No. <laughs> Amongst our weapons. Amongst our weaponry are such elements as fear. Sur- I'll come in again. <laughs> I didn't expect a kind of Spanish Inquisition. And people, they, they remember Monty Python probably wow, mostly for Holy Grail Inquisition. and stuff like that, Life of Brian. But Monty Python's Flying Circus is it's, it's a great show with uh, now historic comedians. Uh, John Cleese, uh, uh, Eric Idle. I mean, it's great guys on the show. Uh, Terry Gilliam. I mean. So, yeah. You say the show is... Basically, ADD. It would really work today if you think about it. With the maybe, way the maybe world I'm is. right. Maybe you're, maybe you're right. It could work. Maybe because it's. I mean, it, there. The joke of the show is like it would go from one thing to the next without any, <laughs> without any sequitur whatsoever. <laughs> so yeah. 
Uh, Amanda or Kevin, any thoughts on Money Python falling here? I know we talked about sketch comedies a lot. We're finally getting a classic sketch comedy. Is it just uh, uh, a relief, uh, not a relief, but a surprise seeing something different? It's the the wrong kind of classic sketch comedy. That's not the one I was looking for. I know I'm in the minority, but I have a strong distaste for all things Monty Python related. I just wow. don't find them funny at all. So it's just not my style of humor. Monty Python, Married with Children, and was it what was the last one? Oh, all the '90s sitcoms. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still uh, or David Letterman. That's the that's the last one. Yeah. Uh, Kevin I'm... has no love for Fresh Prince. So. <laughs> I just have. Why never... don't you love him? Why don't you love him? I, I at least no. like those shows, though. I can't even watch Monty Python stuff. I've tried probably on ten different occasions to watch either the show or the movies, and I just am bored out of my mind instantly. So you don't like Holy Grail? You don't like it? This is you no. know, it's just a flesh wound or any of that stuff? None of it. I hate uh, Terry Gilliam. Wow. Ooh. Oh, okay. <laughs> Kevin back. Friend Kevin. Sorry, DJ. No, no, it's okay. It's okay. It, it, it's it's just, just like I said, it's just not my style of humor. Certain humor works for certain people, and that's just not my style. Alrighty, any other thoughts on Money Python before we move on to the next in the countdown? Apparently, the show didn't dare to be stupid because Eric Idle was Retgar at one point. Yeah, he was. <laughs> wow, we brown out, we mini bum. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty, let's move on to our next in the countdown. 29. Coming in at number 29, we have Lost with 832 points. It was on 11 list. It is. It was ranked number one by one person. Kevin, let's start with you here because you had it highest ranked among all of us at number 17. I know this was a huge show at the time. It had some falling off after the season finale and people didn't like it, but is Lost a show you were a fan of? Oh, yeah. I'm a huge fan of Lost all the way through, including the ending. I'm one of those that does not mind the ending at all. I think that's probably why it's not a little bit higher was because some people really did hate the, the hate how it ended. The question was not whether Lost was going to be on the countdown. It was just where it was going to end up falling. So uh, right here around the top 30, I think that's fine. I mean, I had it 17 because I personally like a lot of it, but uh, it, it, it has its issues. I can see some people kind of being critical that maybe some seasons are better than others. Same situation for me. They do a lot of flashbacks and kind of telling the background of certain individuals. And there were a couple characters that I really didn't connect to that. I, every time I knew it was going to be an episode for that character, it was like a letdown. And I was like, Oh, I guess I got to sit through seeing another one of her stories to get to something good later. But I, it was a phenomenon. Come on. I mean, everybody was talking about Lost. Everybody would watch it and then have debates and questions and just the way they were able to do the mystery element of this show is something that was unlike anything that came before it. So I think Top 30 is perfectly fitting for Lost. Amanda, this is actually spooky in the Lost sense as you ranked this at number 29 and it actually is 29. So I don't know if you have Lost like Black Smoke, smoke Powers monster. or something like that. Monster. But uh, what? <laughs> I like to call it slut magic, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's a real thing. But um, I, I I only saw the first season of Lost, but I just know that it's such a huge phenomenon, um, a big big following. Um, I don't know why I just couldn't get into it. I was this was like my early years Some of college, so I was just drinking and you know partying and. <laughs> Being watching cool Family and not Guy. watching TV, <laughs> yeah, yeah, eating my SpongeBob cereal at 2 a.m. and um, it, it it just wasn't 
wasn't something that I could super get behind just because I wasn't in a TV watching um, time of my life, really. But I did enjoy it. I, I, thinking back on it now, I feel like it had um, some – it was a little reminiscent of the feel of, like, heroes, like its style. So I, I don't know. I guess I'm wrong because nobody else is commenting saying I mean, this, I guess it, I it's definitely – I mean, I could see the comparison because they're very – mystery based and a, a lot of like you know keeping you in the dark what's really going on so I, I definitely could see the comparison the act, the actors the actresses and the characters and the development of those characters is what wins lost for me i guess uh dj any thoughts on lost i'm gonna be the i guess the, the outlier here uh, i'm uh this is more of a damon lindioff issue i have than a <laughs> lost issue uh damon lindioff i'll be as nice as possible um he has great ideas, I think. He just has very, very, very sloppy, uh, and purposefully so ambiguous follow through with all of them, where he doesn't. And I know some people like, like you're saying, love the ending of Lost, but it's, it's a, it's a thing that he, I've heard the, his Prometheus commentary where he says, I make things ambiguous on purpose because, uh, I, I want people to, the, the shows that there's no answer to, people talk about longer. And I'm like, okay, well, that's great, but I, you're essentially saying I want to make things not uh, enjoyable at the end. <laughs> I want you to. T- <laughs> so, I mean, and again, I know I'm the outlier. I know a lot of people who love the ending of Lost, and I watched Lost all the way through. I, my, one of my favorite episodes of television is is The Constant, which I, I love that episode so much. Uh, it just the. It, 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 and I know why it's on this list. It's, it was a phenomenon. J.J. Abrams gets way too much credit for this by his own admission. It's essentially Damon Lindioff's brainchild. So, and because of that, that's why I kind of at the end I kind of went a little bit down on it because I did not enjoy the ending of it. It seemed like they were kind of making it up as they went. I don't think you're an outlier because I think a lot more people had a problem with it than yeah. I mean, I, and I understand people who don't why they would because i know people who like things ambiguous it's just that he has this track record of making everything he does have an ambiguous and, and, and i agree final I, finale <laughs> yeah i agree with you on that i don't i remember though in that moment though when we're when we're going through the seasons thinking i do not want to be the people in charge of trying to figure out how to end oh, this. yeah <laughs> I, I understand that's why it's like i can't even really hate him for this and that's why i mean he he has a. I bring it up because of his track record of his stuff after loss. He's still doing the same, right. making the same mistake, which I don't want, like he did for freaking Tomorrowland and stuff like that. But uh, when it came to like the like the, was it season three, I'm like, I don't know where this is gonna go. I don't know how they're gonna end this, and nobody is gonna be satisfied at the end. Right. They kind of wrote themselves into that circle, which I was like, uh. yeah, it ended up making itself a show that was gonna be harder than almost any other show that I've ever seen <laughs> as far as coming up with a way to finish it so that yeah. people are happy. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's like go ahead and end Doctor Who. Come up with a final <laughs> ending for Doctor Who. It's, it's not I mean, saying I'm sure, it's I'm as good sure as Doctor they, Who. I'm sure but, the finale finale of Game of Thrones will probably piss me off more, but... <laughs> Everyone dies. I can tell you that. Everyone's dead. <laughs> it was all a dream. It was all a dream. All right. All right. Any other thoughts before we move on to the next in the countdown? All right. Let's move on and continue as we get down to the nitty-gritty of this week's countdown. 28. 
We are already down to number 28, so we're getting into that very elite, elite category where we get into the top 25. At this point, it should no longer be a question, does it belong? Is it simply, does it belong in this echelon of the countdown? Uh, this one, I think, I, I'm not sure with when it comes to what falls here at number 28, what the opinion will be, but I am super happy about this falling here, as in number 28, we have Arrested Development. It was on 14 lists with 100, 846 points. Uh, actually beat Lost by a whopping 14 points was actually a lot for this list. It was highest ranked as number 9, so no one ranked it number 1, but being on 14 lists does show you there is a lot of love out there for that of Arrested Development. Uh, though I was the only one on the countdown that, that ranked it. I don't know. You guys are crazy. You guys are crazy. Uh, <laughs> I, I just, I love Arrested Development. It's just, to me, one of the funniest shows, period. I know that's very subjective, but I love its style. I love its using the narrator in, in, in fun ways. It's certainly, I'm, I'm surprised they got three seasons. I know Netflix brought it back for the fourth season, which wasn't nearly as good, but at its height, though, it just, I don't know. It, it, it was so super clever, meta in a lot of a lot of cool ways. So I am uh, I'm very happy for it falling here. Uh, DJ, any thoughts on Arrested Development? Uh, I got through most of season one, and I it's like a show I recognize as being very very good. It's just I I could never get through all of it. I mean, and and, and from the season I saw, I mean, Jason Bateman's great, and uh, Tambor is great, David Cross is great. Uh, and I have I have friends who watch it religiously, and I kind of like watch it vicariously through their stories of it. <laughs> but I just never could get through the whole season. But I know it's it's it's, it's very smartly written, and it's very great. It's it's, it's one of those uh, you know shows that I think when I get old and you know I, I have nothing else to do, I'll probably pop it on and burn through it. I'm like, why wasn't I watching this live? I am the reason it got canceled. But uh, yeah, I I'm not a huge fan of it. But again, I I. I can see why it has its feverish fan following. Uh, Kevin, any thoughts on Arrested Development? I mean, I kind of expected this one to make the countdown. This is one of the ones that I was talking about earlier when I said that I was under the kind of having the thoughts that we were going to see more modern sketch comedies than classic. Uh, this one, and I think there's still another one out there that we possibly could see, but it, it might get edged out. But um, I can see this one. It definitely has a following. I think it is funny and it does have its place um for me i ranked a few other classic sketch comedies instead of a couple of these modern ones but i expected to see this one on the list so i, I i'm not surprised that it's on the list i'm surprised maybe that it's quite this high i mean it certainly has a, a lot of accolades it's uh, ign uh, our old friend ranked it as the the funniest show ever so he's gonna rank oh, wow. it as, yeah <laughs> So, have... Is that good or bad for its crowd? I'm not sure. Keep on getting it wrong. <laughs> Curious to see what people have to say because I think there'll be people who may say it's too. It's one of those where it's like I think no one will be happy no matter where it falls. So, alrighty, let's move on with the countdown. Twenty-seven. All right. Well, coming in, th this is the first for the countdown, as in this is the first time in one episode that we're getting two animated shows. Uh, as with number twenty-seven, we have. Futurama with 858 points. It was on 12 lists as highest ranked as number 13. Uh, so it was actually on fewer lists than, than that of the rest of the development, but people tended to rank it higher. Uh, Steve, you were the only other one on the countdown that had Futurama on their list. So what are your thoughts seeing it here at number 27? Well, being that I ranked it at 27, it's actually kind of funny. But um, <laughs> Again, you have that Amanda Smoke Powers type of thing, so that's impressive. <laughs> Smoke Monster! 
<laughs> I have a crystal ball. Um, so yeah, I, I really enjoy this show more than than some of the other shows. I'm actually glad it beat out um, Family Guy. And uh, for me, I, I really I really like the dynamic between the characters. I like the fact that it's set in the future for the most part, even though there's like time travel elements throughout the show. Um, it's really kind of wacky. I, I I enjoy the the interactions between Bender and Fry uh, among everybody else, and uh, I don't know. I just I, I find the show a lot more entertaining to me uh, as an adult than watching some of these other like Family Guy. I I feel like it's it's beating me over the head with a shovel. Like I enjoy it, but it's not the same as watching Futurama. Futurama I have like I, I don't know. It's like getting the Simpsons vibe without being as dumb. <laughs> I guess that's a, I guess the way to say. It. I mean, it certainly has its, its credibility regarding being smart. As I mean, there were three PhDs on the writing staff, seven master's degrees, and over fifty years at Harvard University among the the writers. So the people who are writing the show do have are, are rather smart individuals, and I do think it's a lot smarter than, than people give it credit for. Uh, even myself included, because I, I remember watching it when it came after the Simpsons thinking, Oh, it's just a Simpsons clone, but another like family guy left, came back. And I think you realized at its height, it's, it's a great show. Uh, well, even the fact that it got canceled and it came back. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Mike, times. any thoughts on Futurama? I, from what I've seen of Futurama, I've seen several episodes over the years. I've never actually watched the show all the way through. Um, I know it's one of those shows that keeps getting canceled, keep coming back. I, it, that's fine. It's great. I'm, I'm happy for the voice cast that they get to continue to do this this show. I like the stuff with Fry. I think the coolest thing about this show, though, is John DiMaggio as Bender. <laughs> that essentially lets John DiMaggio do whatever the hell he wants to do, <laughs> voicing <laughs> that character. And it's just so awesome. And if you think about this compared to when we were talking about Married with Children, you've got Peggy Bundy as a one-eyed space captain. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, Kevin, so we had uh, Flintstones, we've had Beavis and Butthead, Family Guy, now Futurama. Did we get that order correct? I, I think you could say that we've basically got it right with Futurama being as the highest out of the four that we've talked about so far. I think there could be an argument for Flintstones maybe being a little bit higher. I was surprised to see Family Guy actually make the list, and I'm definitely surprised at the fact that we're possibly going to see six animated shows on the top 100, I thought we might see three, and we're going to probably end up seeing six, I would guess. So that's the most shocking part for me. Uh, DJ, any thoughts on Futurama falling here? Very few. I, I've, ne- I, I've never really been a big Futurama fan, and uh, I, I'm hit in the back of my head every day when I say that. <laughs> when people say, well, how do you not like Futurama? <laughs> What's wrong with you? Uh, me there's a million different Leroy Jethro Gibbs running around smacking you upside the head. Smacking me. I'm getting attacked by the, the, <laughs> the nozos hitting me. <laughs> no, I, I've never been a huge Futurama fan. I can understand. The, again, I even kind of gave up on The Simpsons after a while. Uh, but yeah, I, again, it, it's just never appealed to me. I, 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 I get the characters. It does have Bender, who, you know, Joe DiMaggio is awesome, but... John DiMaggio is awesome, but i just never been into that show. All right. Amanda, any thoughts before we move on to the last of today? Uh... I think that uh, I'm a little uh, appalled with myself because I didn't rank this, but I love this show. 
Um, I think Beavis and Butthead might be slightly higher for me, personally, than Futurama. Um, definitely higher than Family Guy, though. Uh, I think that you guys have, have kind of beat it to death, but um, I have fun with all the characters, especially Bender, like anybody else. Leela, pretty awesome. I actually have friends who named their daughter after Leela from Futurama, so... There's that. Yeah, that happened, and uh, I, I think that it's it's Why not definitely... Zoidberg? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Feed my son, Zoidberg. <laughs> that was their doctor. But um, I think that it, it, I'm not really sure about it being this high, honestly. All right. Well, be interested in hearing what other people have to say regarding this. So one more to go before we end today's episode, before we enter, enter into the Elite 25. But let's see what falls at number 26. 26. All right. Well, I'm not sure if the brown coats are going to be happy that it's here or just happy that they're unhappy that it's not f- higher. As coming in at number 26, we have the cult classic show in Firefly with 862 points on 13 lists, highest ranked as number one. So we are seeing our third number one fall regarding today. DJ, I'll start with you here because you did had have it highest ranked among all of us. What are your thoughts on Firefly? Screw you, Fox. Screw you. <laughs> <laughs> I think if this show came out now, it'd be, it, it, it would be a bigger deal. I mean, this is Joss Whedon banter at its best, I guess. I mean, the, Buffy and Angel uh, were shows I watched I watch religiously. But Firefly was, you know, new and different and had a world to it. And people go, oh, why do you guys keep making comic book movies? You guys are cakey making remakes. Why don't you make something different and new? This was different and new and nobody freaking watched it. And now it's gone <laughs> and we're stuck watching the 15th iteration of Spider-Man. No, uh, <laughs> I, I really, I, I really like, I really like Firefly just because of the camaraderie and the writing. And it, it, it I think it it just never got a chance to come to fruition. I think it was something there in the middle. It didn't. I'm not saying it's a perfect show. There are its flaws. One that Fox aired it out of order because they suck. Uh, but I think if it would given some time, it could have been really, really special. And Nathan Fillion. I mean, that's the first time I've ever seen him in anything. Uh, before he came on on Buffy as like the crazy preacher guy. Uh, he was awesome on this show, and he's now been like a geek icon this since is all the, the show has come on. You bring it back to him, tell him the job didn't work out. We're not thieves. But we are thieves. The point is, we're not taking what's his. Now, we'll stay out of his way as best we can from here on in. You explain that's best for everyone, okay? Keep the money. Use it to buy a funeral. It doesn't matter where you go or how far you fly. I will hunt you down. The last thing you see will be my blade. Dark. Now this is all the money Mr. Oh, gave us in advance. Oh, Let's see for everyone. I'm right there with you. Uh, Gina Torres, same thing. Uh, uh, Adam Baldwin, uh, who was probably famous for Full Metal Jacket, but it's Jane. It's just camaraderie it's essentially space a team <laughs> so yeah i i, 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 I like that. That, that see it would have stayed along around longer if that's what they called it probably <laughs> nobody had a mohawk nobody had a mohawk so yeah that was... no one pitying fools if that's where nobody pitied wrong. any fools no fools um, were pity. 
Mike, any thoughts on Firefly falling here at number 26? I've seen a couple episodes here and there over the years, but I, just, I don't know. All as I can say right now is we all better hide until next week because you know the commenters are going to come out and flam-based us for having this at only 26. Because like, <laughs> like DJ said and like Dan said and like, like everybody else said, this show has a massive, massive following. And those followers are loyal to a lethal fault. <laughs> They're deadly. I mean, they they got a they got a movie made. I mean, you got to give them. You yeah. know, they certainly are organized and powerful. Which introduced the world to Chiwetel Ejiofor, by the way. Yeah. So yeah, Serenity's also <laughs> badass. I was uh, I was the weird one and actually saw Serenity before Firefly and actually went to see it, not even knowing there was a TV series. I don't know how I missed that, but that was that's what <laughs> happened with me. And I actually didn't end up watching Firefly till earlier this year. We did a homework episode for Talking in Circles where we try to fill in our Geek Weeks box and Firefly was one for me. And I think I, I came into it way too late. I can still recognize why people would love it, but it's, you know, watching a show with so much hype, you know, nearly a decade after it debuted, it it didn't have the same impact on me as I'm sure it did with people then, especially seeing Serenity, which is a movie I actually really do adore and, and like a lot. So maybe I'm the weird one and like the movie more than the TV series, but certainly there's a lot of creativity there. You know, the, the, the motif of using the you know Western and Asian culture combined with space, the or Chinese I think it's Japanese right Japanese first I words I think so yes yeah. so I, I, I I like that though I think at, at times it did go a little too far with it but uh, again I it's a show that if you look at the shows that were canceled too soon I think this was ranked like number one on that list and uh, it's often the show that's pointed to as you know why no one likes Fox or trusts Fox or you know and if it did go on longer, it probably could have had a bigger impact. And was of course not it's not its fault regarding quality, and did kind of launch the career of, of Josh Whedon, or at least you know made Fox feel bad to give him like eight of the shows after this. At least I don't know. Whitney was on the air for three seasons, and this got like eight episodes. <laughs> <laughs> Whitney, one of the worst comedies I've ever seen. And Marina Baccarin is probably the only thing good on Gotham. So yeah, yeah, I got a, I got a little sore spot in yeah. my crawl. I think Fire, I think just because of Firefly, there's a lot of shows that uh, Fox have let stay on longer, just a fear out of people would get angry at. Gotham. Oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but all right, well, let's take a quick break here as and come back and kind of discuss uh, briefly of the top twenty, top seventy-five, I guess, of the countdown so far. Hey guys, this is JD from the In Session Film Podcast. Every week on our show, you can join my co-host Brendan and I as we review the latest films that's out in theaters. It also inspires us to discuss a top three list of some sort, and we have a lot of other fun movie discussions as well. It's always a blast. And we also have a show on Fridays called our Extra Film Podcast. This is a show that gives us the space to talk about the latest indies and art films and other classics that we normally just don't get to talk about on our main show. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, SoundCloud, TuneIn Radio, Player FM, and more. In fact, you can just see everything about us, including our social medias at InSessionFilm.com. So join us every week. We'd absolutely love to have you. Remote Control is the new TV podcast from the GeekCast Radio Network. We'll be covering TV shows and topics from the year 2000 to whenever now is. 
We'll have special themed episodes entitled Pilot and Season Premieres, as well as Finishing Finales. We'll also have Season Pass episodes, where we take a look at an entire season of a TV show. Remote Control can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, and www.geekcastradio.com. So tune in, because we are all remote controlled. So we have 75 down, 25 more to go. Uh, DJ, I guess we'll start with you here. Thoughts on, I guess, the countdown today? Any big surprises? Anything that overall, how do you feel that we're we're ending up as we have 25 shows left to go? I didn't think talk shows would be this high. I, did, I would at Colbert and uh, in Letterman are pretty pretty high on the list, so which surprised me. I mean, I'm not against either one of those show, uh, those shows. I just I, that was shocking, but I think it's going pretty well. I, I'm 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 very I'm very upset that Sesame Street is so damn low. <laughs> <laughs> My education is is dependent upon uh, a Cookie Monster and Grover teaching me how to spell. So yeah, I'm a little upset about that. Yeah. And the count teaching us how to count. Oh, uh, uh, Mike, after coming back off after being off a week, coming back now, what are your thoughts on the countdown so far? I think it's interesting. I think we've been saying throughout the first three parts of the countdown that this is going to be our most interesting top 100 because it is television and it is so subjective to various opinions. Um, I kind of wish I was here last week because I, I really want to eventually, I'm probably going to do this. I want to write this whole big long, I don't necessarily want to call it an essay, but I want to write this whole big long thing about the Big Bang Theory because I, I really don't think people are looking at it the way I look at it. I look at it as an evolution of characters. You look at Sheldon in season one, or even season three when they do the, the flashback story of how Leonard and Sheldon first met, and then you look at Sheldon now in season nine, the dude has changed so much in the entire show. Um, but anyway, as far as... Today's episode, I'm I'm perfectly fine where with where some of the stuff fell. I don't think we have the animated thing right. I think it needs to be flip flopped and have the Flintstones at the highest. Um, that's just my personal opinion, but uh, didn't you have a problem with the Flintstones? No, I don't think so. It's it's been a while. It's been a while. But Amanda, any thoughts on the countdown so far? I'm disappointed at some of these rankings. I think this episode especially, um, I was really disappointed in. I don't think that some of the things that made it to this episode should have even been on the list, honestly. Supernatural, again, being so low, I'm not happy about that. (laughs) So scarred. God, I do. I do. Don't even. I just got the vapors. But, um, I, uh,. I'm just disappointed in, in some of the rankings, and I'm a little bit worried because a ton of my stuff hasn't made it on there, and there's just not enough room for some of the things that I know should be on the top 25 to, to make it all on there. So um, if I don't see I Dream of Genie on this list anywhere, I would be seriously disappointed. <laughs> uh, Kevin, I know last week we had a lot of modern stuff, but I feel like this week we didn't really get as much. I think it was much more varied, kind of like the weeks before. So at least happy that we're getting more variety this on this half of the countdown so far. It's hard to keep getting modern stuff when we've already already named almost all of it. So, um, no, I mean, there's still some to go, but I'm, I'm not surprised because most, like I said, there was only one more modern comedy that I was expecting to see, and that was Parks and Rec, and we saw that. So I think the, the rest of the modern are going to be a little bit more drama action oriented. Um, I, we have been through 75 shows, 
and I still have 72 of my top 100 left to be named. So <laughs> all I know is I'm glad that uh, the 29 people that made up this list do not dictate my television viewing habits because I would not be happy. But no, there's a ton of modern stuff that I need to catch up with. So I am not upset with the modern stuff being on here at all. I just have a big blind spot to the last five to 10 years. But man, I, even trying to block out some of the ones that I thought, well, maybe are my personal bias. I still had like at least 40 shows that I was a hundred percent sure we're going to make the top 100 and at least half of those aren't going to make it. So I, I think there's a lot of classics going to be left on the wayside. All right, Steve, final thoughts before we sound off for today. Um, I'm a little sad that, uh, my number one and number, uh, three, I believe went away today. Um, Kind of bothers me. Uh, but actually, I think my whole top top three or four are gone. I, I still have high hopes that a couple of them are going to show up at, at some point. I, I have a few, and I'll, I'll mention those when we do the wrap-up if they don't show up. But I, I think I have about a good half, almost half of my list has shown up at some point. Uh, so I'm, I'm quite happy about that. It's just wondering which ones are going to show up uh, from here on out. I'm just happy my number one is in the top 25. <laughs> Same here. <laughs> yeah, my number one's gone. Sorry, and two. Steve. My number three is still here, so we'll see. <laughs> How do you know your number one's in the top 25? Because I to. do. It has, it has to, to be. It's going to be left off <laughs> the list. If it's not, a, there will be war. <laughs> I, wouldn't, I wouldn't cross your fingers on anything at this point. There's a lot of good shows out there. I would be, it, it would be the biggest shock in history if my number one is not in the top 25. The I don't know what your number one is. I know what Mike's number one is. Dan knows what my number one is, and I think he would agree. There is no way my, my number one is not in the top 25. No way. I wouldn't be doing this countdown if it was. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, you can also let us know what you think in a variety of ways. You can go on Facebook, Twitter, of course, going to Geekcast Radio. We're having a lot of great conversations, so make sure to do that. But uh, I'll toss it over to Mike as he signs us off for tonight's episode. I believe as of this recording for part three, the part two post has somewhere around 98, 99 comments, so it didn't really break what part one did. Which yet. Is like, well, yeah, yet, because... <laughs> Keyword there is yet, yes. Um, as Dan said, head on over to Facebook, Twitter, Geekcast Radio Network on Facebook, at Geekcast Radio on Twitter. Go to geekcastradio.com. I'm not sure how we're going to do this because we haven't talked about it yet, but when we do the finale, if anyone wants to call in to do voicemails to leave their audio opinions, you can call 502-526-5821. There is a five-minute time limit. Please be sure to leave your name or screen name or whatever. Um Unleash the geek in you and keep on channel surfing. You've just listened to Geekcast Radio on the Geekcast Radio Network. There are several ways to get in contact with us or leave feedback for the show. First, visit the website geekcastradio.com where you can comment on all of our different podcasts. Second, you can rate our show and leave us feedback in iTunes. Third, Follow us on Twitter at Geekcast Radio. Fourth, become a fan on Facebook. Go to facebook.com slash Geekcast Radio. Call the voicemail line 502-526-5821. Please remember to tell us the show you are leaving the message for and your name. So until next time, unleash the geek in you.
your child be ready for kindergarten? At Chesterbrook Academy Preschool, the answer is yes. Our curriculum offers the perfect balance of learning and play. Our teachers personalize that experience for each child through engaging activities that develop the skills they need to be ready for what comes next. Attend a Chesterbrook Academy open house on Saturday, March 21st from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. To find a preschool near you, click the banner or visit ChesterbrookAcademy.com. That's ChesterbrookAcademy.com. Celebrate the big 2020 with T-Mobile. Switch now and get two lines for just 90 bucks and two new iPhone 11s on us. So you can take a portrait built for two with the ultra-wide camera. Oh, that's a good one. Oh, cute. Hurry in to T-Mobile and get two lines for 90 bucks and two iPhone 11s on us with qualifying trade-ins. Via 24 credits for well-qualified buyers with auto pay, plus taxes and fees. If you cancel before receiving 24 credits, you may owe up to the full value of your device of $699.99. Contact us. Qualifying port-ins and finance agreements required.